This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We turn now to our exclusive interview with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu about those hostage negotiations and Israel's long-term plan for the Gaza Strip. There is a deal on the table to free hostages in exchange for a three- to five-day ceasefire. How close are you to bringing some of the hostages home? Well, we're closer than we were before we began the ground action because the ground action has put pressure on the, on Hamas to uh, uh, achieve a ceasefire. We'll have a temporary ceasefire if we can get our hostages back. I don't think it serves that purpose for me to uh, elaborate further on that. We're doing every effort. It's part of our, uh, you know, our three war uh, war goals: one, to destroy Hamas; second, to bring back our hostages uh, to Israel; and third to ensure that that threat, that terrorist threat, never arises again from Gaza, and that Gaza has a different future, better for us, uh, for the Palestinians, and for the entire Middle East. So bringing back the hostages is an integral part of our war goals, and we're doing everything we can to achieve Mayor Adams calling for a 5% cut in every city department, and that includes public safety. The mayor, who, of course, is a former cop and has prioritized making New York City's streets safer in his term, says ballooning migrant crisis has left the city with very difficult choices to make. We're in some serious financial trouble right now, and we just had to announce a budget cut in our services in the city. Mayor Adams warning every city department must undergo belt tightening, and that includes the NYPD. Adams, a former cop, campaigned on public safety. He proposes reducing the police force to under 30,000, the lowest number in decades. Plus, he wants to cancel the next five police academy classes. This is the most painful exercise I've ever done in my professional life. The police union president saying, quote, this is truly a disaster for every New Yorker who cares about safe streets. Cops are already stretched to our breaking point. The mayor says budget cuts are unavoidable because of the ongoing migrant crisis. Thousands of asylum seekers continue to arrive here each week, straining city resources. The national government should be picking up this tab, and it should not be coming out of the backs of everyday New Yorkers. That is wrong, and that is what is happening. A blistering report from the House Ethics Committee on New York Congressman George Santos is reviving efforts to remove him from Congress. The committee, led by a fellow Republican, says there is clear evidence that Santos blatantly stole from his campaign and deceived donors and referred its findings to federal prosecutors. Santos is still refusing to step down, but now says he won't run for re-election next year. Music mogul Sean Diddy Combs, accused of sex trafficking and sexual assault in a lawsuit filed in federal court here in New York. The lawsuit filed by Cassandra Ventura, known by her stage name Cassie, met Combs when she was 19 years old. She was later signed to Combs' record label, and the pair had been romantically involved. Ventura alleges that Combs not only raped her, but over the course of a decade, physically abused her, as well as, quote, lured her into a drug-fueled lifestyle. Ventura says that after after years in silence and darkness, she's finally ready to tell her story. Now, Combs's lawyer said in a statement in part that his client vehemently denies the allegations, calling them baseless and outrageous, and that Ventura has been demanding $30 million, threatening to write a book about their relationship. 
less than 24 hours from a scheduled hearing. Michigan has agreed to accept Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension for sign-stealing and in-person scouting. Now, in a statement, the school said it had, quote, decided to accept the sanction to return the focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. Now, the Big Ten has agreed to close its investigation. However, the NCAA is still investigating the situation. Harbaugh will miss the Maryland game on Saturday and a top three showdown against Ohio State in nine days. Tell him, Diana, baby, touch me in the morning. Touch me, Lewis. Touch me, Noam. Touch me, Justin. Touch me in the morning. Nobody's coming in. Play some more of this. I love this lady. Touch me, baby. Touch me, baby. So there's a reason why I uh, played this song this morning, Touch Me in the Morning. It has nothing to do with Benjamin Netanyahu joining Nora O'Donnell on CBS last night. It has nothing to do with the mayor. Man, it is not going well for Eric Adams. We'll have less than 30,000 cops in this city. Firefighters, they'll get slashed too. It's a mess and the same guy now that's bitching and complaining about no money and I have to cut everybody, well, I want to remind you folks, is the same guy that welcomed all these illegals here not that long ago. I like Eric, but stop it. It's kind of like Joe Biden. Joe Biden stands with Israel unless it means I can't give money to Iran. So which one is it, right? I mean, these Democrats are such double talkers, it's unbelievable. That song has nothing to do with George Santos. His days in Congress now are over. I actually spoke to George yesterday. I'll get to that later. has nothing to do with P. Diddy. This is ugly. We'll talk to famed defense attorney Joseph Tacopina about this rape allegation against P. Diddy coming up later on this morning. It has nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh, the big-time coach at Michigan. Michigan, one of the five undefeated 
teams in the country. I believe they're number two right now. Georgia's undefeated. Florida State's undefeated. Washington, they'll play Oregon State. They're undefeated. And um, Ohio State. Michigan has Maryland tomorrow, nearly a three-touchdown favorite. Jim won't be there, but the big one comes up in eight days next Saturday when it looks like unbeaten Michigan will take on unbeaten Ohio State. And my sister Lizzie, she went to school in Ann Arbor many years ago when Glenn Rice and the basketball team beat Seton Hall and won the championship. And the Michigan-Ohio State game is larger than life. No Jim Harbaugh, but the good news is it looks like He'll be able to coach in the bowl games. And right now, Michigan is looking at a playoff bid. The song had nothing to do with any of that. Why did I play Touch Me in the Morning? I'll tell you why. So last night, as you folks know, I made my way to the 27th annual Theodore Atlas Foundation dinner on Staten Island. We had Hall of Fame boxing trainer, my dear friend Teddy Atlas, as a guest late yesterday morning on this show. I love yesterday's 9 o'clock hour, Kenny Halbert and um, and Teddy Atlas. So Atlas puts on this unbelievable dinner at the Hilton, Staten Island, every year. And there's about 500 people in attendance, about 500. And I said this last night. On the microphone, I'll say it again this morning. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I love my borough of Brooklyn. I live in Queens now. I love Queens. But man for man, head to head, the greatest Americans, the best people I know live on Staten Island. They really do. So I was honored to speak last night to this crowd. I really was. I wasn't supposed to speak. I mean, they have two guys that host this dinner every year, Teddy. One is a the voice of the New York football giants, the great Bob Papa. And the other is a dear friend of mine who does baseball on the MLB Network and boxing. And his name is Brian Kenny. Both great guys. And I wasn't scheduled to speak, but Teddy came to me and he said, listen, well, one of the things you want to do this year is without a live auction item, without a silent auction item, I want you to ask the crowd for 50 grand. <laughs> I, said, I said, what? I said, yeah, let's go out there and ask for pledges till we get the 50 grand. Mind you, I did it, and we got it. We got more. But here's where Touch Me in the Morning comes into play. So every year with these 500 folks I pay to attend Teddy puts together a huge dais. It's at the very front of the room. And the dais consists of about 30 celebrities. Let me give you some of the names that were there sitting next to me last night. Former heavyweight champion of the world, Larry Holmes. Stephen A. Smith. Max Kellerman. You know who was the nicest of everybody to me? You're not going to believe this. Could not have been nicer. I swear to you. Are, are we? Are we? You didn't take say a it, guess. Then. Oh, um, come on. Let's just somebody who yes, you don't, who doesn't, who you thought didn't like. Correct. Okay, you, you gotta, ready? Uh, okay. Well, no, I need a hint. Taxi. Oh, uh, Tony Danza. Very good. Okay, I Tony Danza was a mensch. Well, you say that that he goes back and forth. Well, yeah, but he goes back and forth, and I had some guy tell me who will remain nameless for this show that that uh, Tony doesn't like you. And I don't know why, but I got to tell you, Danza, 
was a sweetheart. I mean, could not, and he looks great. I don't love the long white hair, but he's 72 years old. He's in terrific shape. Wow, that's up. He's 72. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> so he's sitting there, my friend Chuck Zito. We're about to make a movie together, me and Chuck. He was sitting there, Sal Paliantono, Diana Rossini from The Athletic, and uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. But sitting right next to the podium on the dais, you may have heard of this guy, Norman Lewis, Tracy Morgan. So right before the dinner starts, Teddy Atlas and his assistant, Sharon, who's a lovely lady, they grab me and I'm about to introduce all the celebrities. And they go, come here, Sharon, come here, come here. Oh, yeah, what's up? I know I'm going to announce another 50000 Nothing to do with that. Teddy goes, listen, I have to tell you that everybody in this city, in this state, is talking about you. I said, come on, Teddy, stop. You're about to honor all these great people. you got 30 celebrities. What do you mean me? He goes, Sid, what you have done the last two months, not just for Israel, but for New York and America, you don't realize how many hearts you touch every day. You know, I, I said, listen, Teddy, I've been hearing this a lot. Um, it's starting to make me feel a little uncomfortable. I don't think I deserve all this. I really don't. I swear to you, I don't. He goes, Sid, you deserve it. And he goes into his pocket, and he takes out a check from the Teddy Atlas Foundation for $10,000. And he gives it to me, and he says, you give this to the Israeli charity of your choice. Whether it's UJA, Fellowship of Christians and Jews, whatever we do. He goes, this is yours. And I started to cry, because that's what I do. You know that. John Boehner Radio. So I said, do you mind, Teddy, when I make the plea for the money, if I bring this up? He said, you know, I don't really want you to. This is not about that. I go, no, I need to do that. Please. He said, sure. So I get up on the mic. (laughs) And first I got on the mic early because, you know, you go to these charity dinners. Everybody's drunk and having a good time. It's a good-looking crowd. And they forget they're there for a reason. So these mother effers won't shut the F up. Like, Teddy's trying to talk to this room. It's a big room, and all you hear is chatter throughout the room. So how many people? Five, six hundred? Oh, that's a lot. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot of people. So Teddy's talking about to introduce me and everybody, and I literally, I'm sitting at the dais, I run to the microphone, and I said, excuse me, will you shut up? I I swear to God. You? (laughs) Yes. I'm in shock. Yeah, I know. Of all people, I know. Shy Sid. I go, we're here for Teddy. When Teddy Atlas is on the mic, you shut up. So he was starting to talk. Yeah. People couldn't hear, and then you ran right up and and, and stopped it and did that. So let me tell you what happened. <laughs> so I get a message this morning from a guy named David Sistero, okay? Don't know. He says, Sid Rosenberg, I just got back from the Teddy Atlas dinner. Have to tell you, I've been going for the past 12 years, and you were the first person to actually get the crowd to be quiet. Kudos to you, buddy. Thanks, as always, for supporting Teddy, and thanks for the kind words for us Staten Islanders. I feel the same way. The crowd shut up. They shut up. Nice. Wow. Teddy finishes his little thing. He brings me up. What? And then I get this huge round of applause, <laughs> like I'm freaking Elvis. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. It's the, the power of Moses. I guess so. Yes. I'm Moses, as really? Bill O'Reilly said. <laughs> so I start off the speech by telling the story about Israel. 
I said uh, I may play a mobster in movies because they actually introduced me as the host of Sid and Friends in the Morning, but you can also see Sid on Gravesend and Inside Man on Amazon Prime, both Jew. So I say I may play a mobster in the movies, but I am a proud Jew. My name is Sidney Rosenberg. I'm not fooling anybody. And I, for one, am pissed about October 7th. Killed our parents. They raped our daughters. They cut our babies' heads off. This is not about two sides. This is about one side that woke up on a beautiful Saturday morning during a holiday and went through all this murder and chaos despicable behavior, not even human. And I was railing. I mean railing. And then I told the story about Taddy giving me this check. And I broke down in front of the crowd. So to my left, I'm standing at the podium, sitting right there to my left. To my right was Bob Papa. To my left is Tracy Morgan. And I look at Tracy. And when I tell you the tears were coming down his face. It wasn't like his a little tear by his eye. He was legitimately crying. It was hysterical. So I finished my little speech about Israel. The crowd goes nuts. I make a plea for fifty thousand dollars. The crowd I'll I'll do ten. I'll do ten. I'm about to walk off the stage and I feel a hand grab my hand. And it's Tracy. And he said, uh, yo man. You touch me. I swear to God. And I'm like, Tracy, I touched you. Here you are, this comedic genius. Everybody loves Tracy Morgan. Everybody. Democrats, Republicans, black people, white people. You go to a Nick game, you kiss that ring. That's the first thing you do. Forget about Spike Lee. Forget about Steve Sharippa. You go to Tracy. I said, your reaction just now was so beautiful, I, I just, I can't thank you. And he said, no, man, thank you. And the rest of the night, whatever I was doing, Tracy Morgan made it his business to tell me how much he loved me. And when he left, and he left moments before I did, he said, text me, man, I'll come on your show. So my intention is to book Tracy maybe next Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, I don't know. But to see this guy who was a Democrat, in fact, if you go to his Instagram page, he's only three pictures removed from a picture with Jill Biden. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I would have opposed that, you know. Uh, but it was so beautiful. And I love Tracy Morgan, and I love Teddy Atlas. So Touch Me in the Morning was because I touched Tracy Morgan last night, but not the way Cassie is contesting P. Diddy touched her. And that is a uh, pretty nasty case. What is that all about? Takapina is going to join us later. What do you got on that, Noam? You know, it's one-sided, right? We haven't really hold a, hold a, heard a whole lot from Diddy himself, but she claims that, you know, he used drugs to essentially make it so he could, you know, mess around with her. So, he, she, so she's claiming he made her take the drugs? Well, wow. You know, not in so many words, but it is one of these cases that, you know, you don't know what to think because so many of these cases come forward, and yeah. sometimes the women are lying, and sometimes yes. they're telling the truth. That is true. So before we get to the uh, the real meaty stories, we'll do that next segment, uh, Israel Netanyahu, the mayor. What is this crazy story about Starbucks? Now, just so you guys know, you may not care, 
But I'm a Dunkin' Donuts guy. I like Dunkin' Donuts coffee better for some reason. Now, scientifically, it's a proven fact. For some reason, when I drink a cup of Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, I am fired up. When I drink a Starbucks, I pee, and then I'm uh, I'm not even, I'm, I'm still asleep. <laughs> There's nothing for me. In fact, I'll tell you something weird. The least strongest coffee in the morning is McDonald's. And for some reason, it's like beer at a ball game. That gets me completely whacked out. McDonald's coffee. But I'm a Dunkin' Donuts guy first. But, but, there's no question that at least three times a week, because of proximity, because of neighborhood, I end up at a Starbucks. Even though I hate those people. I hate them. They've been very pro-Israel, thank you. But for the most part, they're on the wrong side of every single issue. Their coffee is too expensive. The Keurigs are good. I only buy Starbucks Keurigs, but the coffee is not nearly as good as the price is. But what happened yesterday with this Red Cup story? So Red Cup Day is this day every year where Starbucks gives out reusable Christmas uh, mugs to anybody who walks into the store, and then you can bring those in for your coffee going forward. And, and people... you remember years ago that Starbucks, talking about Christmas cups, right? they didn't want people saying Merry Christmas. Yeah. So you remember President Donald Trump, once again, Donald Trump came out and said, F you, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Remember, Starbucks had an issue with that. Oh, for years, every year. Yeah. These scumbags. Now I think they might even call them holiday cups, whatever they call them. So this is the biggest day of the year at Starbucks because everybody who's a Starbucks fan wants one of these reusable cups because they give them away for free. So what happened yesterday is you have these unionized Starbucks workers who say we are not treated right. This is the worst day of the year. We're (laughs) understaffed. So a lot of them walked off the job for hours at a time. So it, of course, made it worse for the customers who are waiting for their red cup day. (laughs) Okay. Remember uh, the country music star who wrote that, uh, not red, the same Red yes, Cup. Red Solo Cup. Yes, that was uh, Toby Keith, Toby right? Keith, yeah. That's one of the worst songs it ever. terrible. <laughs> Horrible. Bernie, God rest his soul, used to love that song. Uh, Toby Keith is a great American. He'd probably be at these Patriot Awards on Fox News in Tennessee yesterday. I think he would have touched you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy Morgan's my guy. I do want to mention, too, that in the audience last night, a couple of great Staten Islanders love all these guys. Borough President Vito Fosella. Joe Borelli was there, Johnny Tobacco, Scott Lebedo. You had the father-son combination of Pat and Frankie Russo and the great attorney, American hero, Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Kniff, was in attendance as well. Big show. About to come your way, folks. It's a Friday. Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Joe Tacopina, Mike Lawler, and more. Keep it right here, folks. Sit with you till 10 o'clock this morning on WABC.
an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, you're my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Days blocking people in my Instagram page. I compel all of you if you enjoy the program. If you hate the show, follow me today on Instagram. Do it right now at Rosenberg.Sydney. At Rosenberg.Sydney. Sydney is spelled S I D N E Y. I'm on Facebook too, Sid Rosenberg. I don't X or tweet anymore. But Instagram, I'm, I'm active. And, you know, I don't just uh, talk about Israel. I don't, I don't want to do that. I mean, I. I still have uh, other interests. What's going on in this city? Mayor Eric Adams, Donald Trump, sports, family. It's not just about Israel 24-7. But anytime I do put something up, like today, for example, we've got a listener. Her name is Patty. You guys have met Patty. Love her. Very nice. She plays a lot of great comments. She does. And her husband, Harry. So they uh, they won some contest one day to come meet me. But they didn't come empty-handed. They walked in with a bunch of really cool America T-shirts. Well, anyway, long story short, they ended up making our dyspraxia shirts that we gave out during our radiothon, me and Danielle. And then uh, they sent shirts to the station a couple days ago, which are gorgeous. New York stands with Israel. 
And it's the flag, half American flag, half Israeli flag. And uh, they gave it to us in black and gray. So I'm wearing a black T-shirt today. It's beautiful with a white uh, long T underneath it, this box, which they made as well. And I posted it at Rosenberg.Sydney. But I, but I post things all the time about Israel. And you get these assholes, these idiots, these lowlives. I also posted the videos of the four Israeli soldiers thanking me. And what do they do? They put emojis of people puking, and they talk about genocide. And, guys, you committed genocide. You understand that? You lowlife losers, you did that. We didn't go into your village early in the morning and attack your people and rape your women and kill your babies. We didn't do that. Now, yeah, now you're going to die. Kids are going to die. Sorry. This is war. Israel does all they can. They do all they can, trust me, not to kill civilians. But a lot of you are going to die. You know why? Because you went in on a Saturday morning when nobody wanted this and proved once again that all you are are barbarians, inhumane savages. So now you're going to die. Don't blame us. Don't blame us. So today I'm wearing this uh, this T-shirt, you know. And I was it was cold this morning. No, was it about uh, 40 degrees? So a long-sleeved tee and a T-shirt uh, wasn't warm enough, even though I walked right into my driver jeans car come right here. So I thought about putting a jacket on, but then I was worried that the jacket may cover my shirt. Now, it's going to be warmer later, 60 degrees, but I really want to walk around the city. If Danielle's listening, she's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. <laughs> she will. She's yeah. going to kill me. I really want to walk around this city, which I will do today, taking two trains to the ferry, wearing this New York Stands with Israel shirt. And I only hope to God that one of you cowards out there with your stupid Palestinian flag and your stupid uh, smart that you wear around your neck, I hope to God you come up on me because I'll beat the shit out of you. I'm sorry. I think they got them just. I'm not uh, some kid in Borough Park wearing a yarmulke who's scared. I'm not scared. Now, look, if 10 guys come up on me, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> but assuming that you're going to go one-on-one, I'm going to wear this shirt all day. Well, that's a big assumption probably. I know. Yeah. I know. Because that's what cowards do. They don't They don't come at you one-on-one. Uh, someone's going to say something to you. There's no no two ways about it. If you ride the subway with that shirt well, on, someone's going to say something. Well, they can say something to me. That's fine. You know, as long as they don't touch me. My wife is not with me. My son is not with me. My daughter's not with me. You say something to my wife or my kids, then you got to fight. But if somebody says something to you, you just you gotta shrug it off, I guess, you know. I don't know. It depends upon what they say. I don't That's know. That's exactly what it's going to depend on what they say. No. That maybe you just shouldn't walk around today by yourself. Maybe but, I shouldn't, right? No. Well, <laughs> I got to tell I don't you. Know, just call me Mad Captain. No, no, but I, I, I hate to tell you, but. <laughs> Just uh, this radio show, which reaches so many people and has gained such immense popularity on a very serious note, I really do have to be careful. I really do. Well, the higher you're going up, you're getting higher and higher and higher. Right. And unlike a lot of my cohorts in this profession, I'm not a pussy. I come on the air and I tell you the way I feel. I don't care if kids die, women die. I don't care. That sounds insensitive. I don't want them to. I'd rather they didn't, but this is war, and you started it, and we're going to finish it. Bottom line, give us back our hostages. We'll take a couple of days off. We're still going to find you and kill you, man. You're not getting away with it.
But, you know, you'll have an extra four days to live. That's about it. So um, I probably need security every day. That's fine. We're getting, and, we're getting to that stage. And there's right? no cops left in this city. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we're down to 30,000, and now we're going to freeze five police classes. And Derek Adams, who, who you know, <laughs> yelling and screaming, we got no money. I warned you about this. Yeah, you did. You did warn us about this. Not long after you put these people in five-star hotels and said, come on, we're a sanctuary city. I know I keep going back to that, just like I keep going back to Biden, Mr. Pro-Israel, giving money and loosening sanctions with Iran. But you can't have it both ways. I mean, at least Curtis Lewa from day one has been very consistent. Very. Eric, no, not the case. So what's the latest with these budget cuts, 5% budget cuts, and how bad is it going to be, Noam, for the cops, my friend, the cops? Oh, it's and bad. the firefighters. You're talking about the department shrinking by about 4,000? Right. So from 33,000 to 29,000 cops, uh, sanitation pickups, there's going to be fewer litter baskets on the streets. So the streets, you know, the thought is, of course, city is going to get a little more disgusting than it already is. Uh, the schools, they've cut one hundred and twenty million dollars from uh, those pre-K, 3K programs, rollbacks to summer school. Uh, on a lesser note, public library will close certain branches on Sundays. So, I mean, the cuts are all across the board. Everybody's going to feel it, but some of them worse than others. Obviously, the NYPD at the top of that list. NYPD at the top of that list. So yesterday, Bill O'Reilly was on the show, and he said, you know, when you add up all the cops, 44,000, I said, Bill, not even close. You know, that's when you add up everybody. I don't care about everybody. The cops, he's up by about 15,000. Right? You're looking at 28,000, 29,000. Yeah. That's not enough cops for this city. It's not enough. And, and crime right now is a major issue. Major issue. And this is before any real terrorist activity, which is coming to a theater near you. If you don't think so, you're either naive or stupid and closer to the latter. I don't know how people live in this city. I just don't. Pay immense, immense taxes. The rent is through the roof, and somehow or another, I'm reading that people still rent apartments in the city. They want to be here. God bless all my friends in real estate, whether it's Corey Zelnick or Suzanne Miller. I love all those folks, but I couldn't wait to get the hell out of here. And now you're going to tell me there's going to be 5,000 less cops? How could you live here? How could you live here? How? And all this, all this, ladies and gentlemen, for the illegals, the asylum seekers, the migrants, all this for them. They're here living the life. And us, hardworking, taxpaying New Yorkers, we get nothing. No cops, high taxes, filth, dirt, crime. That's what we get. And the mayor basically says, oh, well, tough. The way it goes, I want money from the federal. If I hear Eric Adams ask for money from the quote-unquote federal government one more time, I am going to puke all over myself. It's not just about money. We do need money. That is the least of it. And again, Eric, if you were just on the right side from day one, instead of sucking up to these people, I believe more people would be sympathetic towards you. But, Eric, between the FBI probe and this illegals crisis and the city going bankrupt and no cops and no firefighters, 
I have no idea how Eric Adams wins again. Now, there's a lot of time for the next election, and maybe he can salvage this. But I remember very vividly when Eric Adams was on with me and John Katzmatidis, and John said, you know, Eric, you're like America's mayor. He was right about that. He was. If you can fix crime in the city, the sky's the limit, maybe president. Can anybody sit here with a straight face who's not a friend of the mayor and say to me, he's well on his way? You can't. It's a mess. It's a mess. Did you ever think, ever, that you could put somebody in the same sentence in terms of productivity, not effort? I'm not talking about effort. Eric Sony works harder. But in terms of what the city has become, he's in the same sentence right now as Bill de Blasio. He ain't in the same sentence as Rudy Giuliani or Ed Koch. He's in the same sentence as de Blasio. Not effort, but results. Can you argue that, Noam? I don't think so. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? It is. All right, what else do I have to cover before I get to uh, Frank Morano? No, what um, else is out there? Well, I just wanted you to know that, that I've been lifting weights recently, and so if you need protection today as you walk around the city with that T-shirt, I'm, I'm happy to help you out. You know, the problem with you is, is that uh, you mean that, and you're a great Jew, and you probably are pretty strong, but the, you don't look intimidating. Right? <laughs> you look like, I, you know, that's the issue. Yeah, we, uh, Monday I'll come in and half of us won't be here. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should see his, you should see his calves. When he came in, he came he in wearing beautiful calves. Yes, yes. He's nice. got it. Pristine. I'm obsessed great. with him. All right, listen, Frank Romano is stuck around. He's going to join me live in studio. Why don't all four of us just go out and then none of us can work again? That's a great idea. Frank's always great. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boy. On 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Week 11 of the NFL season underway last night with the Cincinnati Bengals in Baltimore to meet the Ravens on Thursday night football. Lamar Jackson threw for two touchdown passes, both coming in the second quarter. And the Ravens beat Cincinnati 34-20 to after the Bengals lost Joe Burrow to a wrist injury. Burrow left in the second quarter after throwing a touchdown pass and was not able to return. On the Baltimore end of things, tight end Mark Andrews, he's expected to miss the rest of the season after hurting his ankle. Locally this weekend, the 2-8 and eight Giants are 9.5-point underdogs heading into their Sunday afternoon matchup in Washington against the Commanders. Kickoff there is set for 1 p.m. on Sunday. As for the 4-5 and five Jets, they are 7-point underdogs as they get ready for the Bills in Buffalo on Sunday at 4.25. College ball to look forward to starting at noon tomorrow. Number three, Michigan, 19.5-point favorites going into Maryland. A note for that game, Coach Jim Harbaugh has agreed to the uh, Big Ten's three-game suspension, which means Harbaugh will not coach Saturday at Maryland or in the regular season finale against rival Ohio State. Rutgers in action tomorrow at noon as well. They are 20.5-point underdogs going into number 12, Penn State. At 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, number one, Georgia, 10.5-point favorites going into number 18, Tennessee. And four, at 4 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, Minnesota will take on number two, Ohio State. The Buc- 
Buckeyes are home there. They are 27.5-point favorites in that one. On the hardwood, the Nets lost on the road against the Miami Heat by a score of 122-115. to 115. They could not put a lid on Jimmy Butler. He scored 18 of his 36 points in the third quarter to propel Miami to the victory. Mikel Bridges and Lonnie Walker each scored 23 for Brooklyn, which had won its last five games against Miami up until last night. Tonight in Washington, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Wizards for some NBA in-season tournament group play. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7 p.m. On the ice in Seattle, the Islanders fell in a shootout to the Kraken last night. Final score, 4-3. to Leon Dobson had two of the three goals in regulation for New York. They lost their last, uh, they lost their seventh game in a row. It marks their longest losing streak since dropping 11 straight early in the 2021-2022 to season. On the ice in Pittsburgh, the Devils toppled the Penguins by a score of 5-2. to And finally, awards week concludes for the MLB, with the last of the hardware being dished out yesterday. Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna Jr. were each named the most valuable player of their respective leagues in unanimous fashion, an unprecedented occurrence in the 92-year history of the award. Now that's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com PavilionTechless.com to find a deal under you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. On your Friday morning, Gladys Knight in the pits, midnight train to Georgia. Liz Pitko will be live in studio today. Big Lizzie in town for her uh, one of her two visits every month. We love Liz. We'll talk to Curtis Slee, or Brian Kilmeade, Joseph Takapina, Mike Lawler, and more. About to talk to Frank Morano, but before I do, you know, Israel uh, is doing a really good job. You folks don't follow this closely. Like you fill out a Nick box score or who won the MVP in baseball yesterday. But there is a hierarchy of Hamas leaders. These are some of the worst people God ever created. And you may not know this, but one by one, especially since the ground invasion, Israel has been killing these bastards in big numbers, big numbers. And yesterday, and I got this information from Hillel Fold. Yesterday, Israel took out the number two, number two Hamas commander. It's a big, big kill. Noam, give me the latest. 
It is a big deal. It's Ahmed Bahar, who has been the new number two guy. He was a vice president of the Palestinian Legislative Council. So he was in politics, 76 year old. Uh, he was one of the masterminds of this attack back on October 7th. And, uh, yeah, they, a strike hit him and, um, he survived actually the initial strike, but now we got word that he has died. Dead. Yeah. Scumbag piece of shizzle. See ya. Believe he was also one of the guys, I've not gotten confirmation on this, who paraded around that uh, beautiful young German tattoo artist that they eventually raped about a thousand times and cut her head off. Is her name again Loki or? Loki, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that hasn't been confirmed, but he easily could be behind that as well. I think Justin Ellick told me that, but you can't trust anything Justin says. Well, there was a New York Post article that that, that guy is dead. So if they are the same person. Which you know, I'm not. I'm. It's not confirmed because that article didn't. It's say not his the name. same person. God, I wish you would have told me that before, you dumb bastard. Of course, it's not the same person. It's some militant, some terrorist who they killed. It's not this guy. This guy's in some palatial space somewhere in in Gaza. He's not out in a jeep with a half naked girl. What's the matter with you? Uh, well, we we looked at. The uh, thank you for that. Together, uh, uh, Frank so. Morano is the brilliant host. Jesus, <laughs> of this. Stick to Jim Harbaugh. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, Frank Morano is the uh, terrific host there. of the other side of midnight, one to five a.m. each and every weekday morning. He's a great host and a dear friend. Good morning, Frankie. How Good are morning, you? Sid. It was great to have you on Staten Island yesterday. Thanks for coming out for the uh, Teddy Atlas dinner. They do so much for Staten Island. It was great to see you so well received. Well, you didn't see anything. You weren't there. Well, I, I heard that you yes, were I there was. and were out, no. were. Were well received. I wanted you to be there. I actually complained to Joe Borelli. I said, we're missing Frank. I mean, when I think of Staten Island, you're one of the first three or four names that come to mind right away. But your people, they were huge last night. I mean, the reception was amazing. They donated a heck of a lot of money. Time and time again, and I said it, what, 35 minutes ago, of all the boroughs in New York, and I'm a Brooklyn boy living in Queens, I used to make fun of Staten Island all the time. Well, you got there a bunch of wannabe mobsters and guys in witness protection. That still may be true, but, man, are you great Americans. I couldn't agree with you more about the latter part. Well, All three of it is true. What do you mean the latter part? You got married on Staten Island. Every mobster from here to Florida was at that wedding. What are you talking about? Uh, Scott Lebedo actually gave Curtis Sliwa a nice shout-out because of the Rebels. Scott Lebedo was there last night. Johnny Tobacco. Naturally. Yeah, all good people. So thank you for saying that. You guys did a great job. So the first story we're going to cover, you and I are going to disagree. But unlike the last time, when I called you some horrible names, of which I have zero remorse, when you said uh, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, which is you love this country because people like pro-Palestinians have the right to march. I know Judge Napolitano agrees with you both, moron. Right. I noticed he didn't get shouted down and, and, and called oh, a no, moron. No, no, no. I called you an asshole. Right. Uh, but, I, no, I did yell back at Judge Knapp yesterday, and it got, I got very loud, actually, because it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, it's hate speech. They, they asked, uh, kill the Jews, death to the Jews. There's no place for that. Just like there's no place anywhere on any internet, on any billboard, in any book for this Osama bin Laden hate speech, which TikTok finally came to the realization, maybe time to take it down. But I know you disagree, so well, go ahead so, and state your case. I uh, understand, right? In what were we told in the aftermath of September 11th as to why it happened? Remember George Bush, that great statesman, said, they, the terrorists, hate us for our freedom because we let women vote and, uh, you know, gay people be gay and do all those things. But there really wasn't a valid explanation as to why other countries Countries that are also free, Japan, Greece, Italy, didn't meet the same fate. So uh, in this 
vacuum of a decent explanation by George Bush, bin Laden writes this letter. And this letter, which is horribly anti-American, horribly anti-Semitic, anti-white, anti-Russian, anti-everybody, he does explain his reasons. Now, oh, I, I okay, think, that makes it okay. Well, Would you like to get an explanation from Adolf Hitler yeah, why he killed well, all the Jews? So, <laughs> I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah. um, Mein Kampf, is a historical document yeah. that preceded a great tragedy right. just the way that bin Laden's letter is. Should be is. banned, Mein Kampf. Well, uh, see, I don't think America is a place where we yeah, should no, be yeah, banning yeah, We certainly books. are. We certainly are. When you get to the point of hate speech and uh, murdering people and genocide, we're at that point. you got to draw the line somewhere, Frank. You can't live in a society where everything free is great. There are things that are free that are bad. They're just bad. You've got to get rid of them, bottom line. Well, then you got to get rid of the First Amendment. No, and- no. No, no, you don't. No, no you don't. What the, no, you the First don't. Amendment you says can make, you the can right tweak to freedom it. of the press you shouldn't can, be abridged. You can tweak the First Amendment, and you can, just like when you ask for a judge, for example, we want judges to have discretion. Any normal person wants a judge to have discretion, not just act by a strict constitution. He should have discretion when it comes to the law. Same thing here. Have some discretion. The First Amendment is a beautiful thing. I don't want to lose it. But when you get to the point where you're asking for genocide, okay with people being murdered, six million people, that's not okay. Well, I'm not, not okay. okay with people being murdered. Well, but you clearly are. No, I'm not. Yeah, you I, are. I'm okay with uh, with things being no, no, no. published that no, I don't no, agree don't with. Don't publish it. No, it's not about it not agreeing See, with it. It's hate. It's murder. I don't agree with things. I, you know, I don't agree but, with Joe Biden. See, he can write a book. Yeah, I, but well, but I draw the line at murder. Yeah, but tweak again, it. So you, you're saying tweak what, it exactly. I'm tweak, saying the first, the first amendment, amendment is to great. Say what? What's to, your to view? say when when it is clearly? So you shouldn't be able to go to a bookstore and buy Mein Kampf. No, of course should, not. Should you be able to go buy Mao's Little Red Book? Of course not. Should you be able to go up uh, on the internet and look up the Hamas Charter? You can look it up, so you, so you make yourself familiar with how right. murderous these bastards well, so are. So then, why why can you look up the Hamas Charter? But not bin Laden's letter. Because bin Laden's letter is a direct attack on a people uh, after this, uh, after what we saw after 9-11. The Hamas chapter is different because uh, people should become familiar with a whole a whole segment of people who get up every day just to kill. But don't you think that bin Laden's letter is the same thing? Then get rid of that, too. Fine. Get rid of all of it. Get rid of all of it. And I I think that's such a dangerous attitude. Oh, shut up with that. God, I'm so sick of all you guys. Such a dangerous No, what's dangerous is little kids go on the Internet, they read about this stuff, and they think it's okay to kill Jews. That's dangerous. I think when you make it it forbidden fruit, it makes people only... Seek these letters out a lot lot more. Get rid of it. The danger is you're turning a whole generation of little troublemakers who wake up with nowhere to go and nothing to do into potential murderers. You You just censor? Yeah, you censor. No, I I, I completely You censor hate, speech, and murder. You censor it. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, first of all, uh, it doesn't call for murder in the bin Laden letter, which I think. If people read it, they would see that that's the case. Yeah. But uh, I completely disagree. I think well, it's I an know important you disagree. historical no, document okay. that The Guardian has kept up on their website for 22 right. years. Get rid of it. Good. And now, all of a sudden, because yeah. it's become viral, they're taking yeah, it down. It's become it viral no because sense. we just saw a bunch of people get slaughtered in their own homes no. not that long uh, ago. J- just as Mao's Little Red Book oh, can no, be accessible by historians well, and well, others, great. so should this be. No, it should not be.
I'm getting the last word. It's my show. Yeah. Under your show, you get the last Fair word. Fair enough. Tweak the First Amendment and get rid of all this murderous crap. Get rid of it. I don't need to see it. The kids don't need to see it. I don't need any kid today going on the Internet and reading something from somebody who celebrated the death of 3,000 Americans on 9-11. Now, talking about social media, that was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell me about uh, Nikki Haley. Well, I, I, I don't know where you come down on this, but Nikki Haley has proposed, seriously, not as a joke, not as a whim, that in order for you to post anything on social media, you should have to be able to post it only under your own name and have your identity verified. Now, we're both on the receiving end of a lot of people who say negative things about us on social media under fake names or under anonymous names. I think this is uh, absolutely absurd, completely unconstitutional, and someone ought to remind Nikki Haley about a little something called the Federalist Papers, which were written under a pseudonym, and apparently under Nikki Haley's America, if the Federalist Papers were written in 2023, they wouldn't be able to use a pseudonym. I think it's absurd, quite honestly. I I actually agree with you on that. By the way, just so you know, trending now on uh, X and Instagram, Frank Hamas Morano, I swear to you, sorry, to tell you that. I, but, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I just okay. wear it proudly. What do you uh, care? <laughs> uh, I saw our mutual friend last night. I like him a lot, Joe Borelli, Staten Island Council member. And um, he's going to come on the show, I think, Monday. But you told me he wrote a great piece, a great uh, op-ed piece in today's New York Post about this disaster we call New York City and the mayor, Eric Adams. Tell me about that. You know, he puts it in such simple terms, and I link to it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. And basically, he asked the question, have you ever been out to dinner with a group where some members of the party order appetizers and steaks, a premium bottle of wine, uh, and extra truffle shavings on their gnocchi? Other people at the table just get a side salad and water, and yet it's the people that order all these expensive things things that want everybody to split the bill equally. Borelli makes the case that here you had some elected officials and their constituents in New York City that didn't want to pay for migrants to have shelter and every possible luxury you can imagine. That's me. And yet now that budget cuts are come to, we've come to pay the bill for these migrant costs Everyone has to split the bill equally. Why should we in Staten Island that Democrats and Republicans and independents all opposed rolling out the red carpet and paying for all this stuff? Why should we bear the brunt of sanitation uh, cuts and libraries being closed and everything else, not to mention the law enforcement related cuts? So uh, I think he brings up a very good point and very easy to understand terms. If we have to now pay the bill for what was totally foreseeable by everybody, let the elected officials in the state legislature and the city council that pushed for this policy, let them pay the bill. Don't force our districts that oppose this to be cut. Couldn't agree more. You and uh, Joe Borelli, once again, both are right on the money. Let's end with uh, two races. How about two minutes ago? Here, maybe less. Tammy Murphy, Phil Murphy's wife, the governor of New Jersey, running uh, for Senate. Maybe Bob Menendez is there, maybe not, kind of like George Santos, although George has come out and said he will not run again. And then your guy, uh, RFK, I still almost every night bump into somebody that has some type of enthusiasm 
for your guy, RFK. Those two folks, Tammy Murphy, RFK. Yeah, look, so Tammy Murphy's in Jersey trying to do what her husband did and essentially buy off all the county leadership. And she's been successful in Bob Menendez's home county of Hunterdon, uh, uh, and uh, Union County, excuse me. And she is uh, really going to try to do the whole, whole thing and make sure that the leading Democrat that's been in the race so far, Andy Kim, doesn't have a chance. I don't know that Menendez stays in this race till next year. But by the way, these are three horrible people. <laughs> Andy Kim, Tommy Murphy, and Bob Menendez. It's like saying to me, would you rather have herpes, AIDS, or syphilis? Well, on the Republican end of things, you have, uh, you have Christine Serrano, uh, that's running. She's the mayor of Mendham. They're also talking about a former New York City Council member, Andrew Aristoff, running in Jersey as well. I don't know where that goes, but it's such a shame when an election can be bought this way by spreading this money around. As far as the presidential race, uh, Kennedy, depending on which poll you look at, he's now leading among independents, polling at about 20% overall, and he's leading among swing voters. If you go just favorability, unfavorability, he is 13 points more favorable than both Trump and Biden. That I can see. So at the moment, no. he is the most popular presidential candidate running but, and but, leading but, but among has, independents. But he has zero chance of winning. Wow. Zero. So the question becomes, the only question is, he can't win. The only question is, no matter what those numbers tell you, who does he hurt more in the upcoming election, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? I think that's uh, tough to say because we don't know who the other minor party candidates are going to be. But as you've chronicled, Biden, Joe Manchin, maybe. Biden is going to have a problem with Arabs and the hard left. And in states like Michigan, they're going to migrate if uh, Cornell West and Jill Stein are on the ballot to one of them. And the moderate Democrats that don't like Trump but can't bring themselves to vote for Biden, either because of corruption-related issues or age related issues i could see them voting for uh, voting for mansion but i i, I wouldn't scoff at one out of five americans and uh, the uh, plurality of young voters all gravitating towards rfk at this point i think he's going to be much more formidable than people realize at this point but what does that mean you, well, I, I so, mean, so he's gonna, he's not gonna, he's not gonna lose by uh, thirty points. He's gonna lose by sixteen. Well, remember, all I a, care about is winning. I'm in, not interested well, in, in a formidable. Race, in a three-way race, yeah. you need thirty-four percent of the vote to win. Well, he's not right now. That. He's at twenty. He's right? not So we'll see where we are a year from now. So you really think this guy's a legitimate candidate? I think he is going to do better than any third-party candidate ask you that. since t- I Teddy Roosevelt I in 1912. I didn't ask you that. So I, I can't guarantee that he's going to win. No, I don't want you to guarantee. I think he's you, got you a think, very good shot, yes. You think he's got a shot at winning? Yeah, I absolutely do. No, you guys stop I drinking th- before this you This is to going work. to be – we've never seen an election like this. These are the two least popular <laughs> major party presidential candidates in history. Well, you, but this, by the way, so was Hillary and Trump. Same thing. Until Same now. Thing. Until now. Um, you're right. And uh, you saw that was a big year for third-party people, too. But now um, you didn't have a third-party candidate with this amount of name recognition and money. That's fair. So I think, uh, I, I think we'll see what happens for the next year. But uh, this is not a Ralph Nader or Gary Johnson situation. This is somebody that's going to be in the debates. You've got to be at 15 percent or more yeah. to be in those debates. Yeah. And I think when he's in the debates with uh, Biden and Trump, I think he's going to win over a lot of people. See, I, I, I think he's more like a Ross Perot type of candidate who was legitimate but cost one guy the election. Yeah, I I don't believe that Perot cost Bush the election. Okay, because even when Perot dropped out of the race, yeah. uh, Clinton was still leading. True, but it's close. But you're right. Right. All right. You are uh, fantastic. You are. There's nothing you, you don't know about. No. Nothing. So I don't know. Your show. Is I don't great. know anything about hockey. 
You don't? No, not a thing. Who's a leading scorer right now in the Rangers? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> You're great, Tracy. Thank, thank you. Justin Alex. Thank you. Have, have a, a great weekend. weekend. That was so much fun. In fact, you should stay every week. Do it in studio. I will. I, I like will, it. I will do that. Thank you, Frank. Thank His you. Show is I'll the see others. you next Friday. Oh, no, I won't be here. The other side of midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday. He really is great. He knows just about everything. And he's my friend, Frank Morano. we got to wrap this up. Hour two coming up. We're going to talk to Curtis Sleeve this hour and Brian Kilme. Keep it right here. But he sure found out the hard way that dreams don't always come true. Is sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 20s, we like to play disco for Curtis on Fridays because Tony Monero's got nothing on the circa 1990 Curtis Sliwa. 1980, I should say. But secondly, you may remember yesterday, <laughs> talking about seeing Tony Danza, which I did last night at Teddy Atlas's event. And uh, I didn't think Tony liked me. I don't know what he thought. I don't know. But my wife, of all people who looked Gorgeous last night, I have to say. Came with me to the event, and she texted me during the conversation with Curtis about Danza. She said, I hope he rings you a bell. And Curtis said, that reminds me of the old song. So between Disco Body and Tony Danza, it made all the sense in the world. Now, I did mention Curtis on Staten Island last night during my little speech when I talked about how it's the greatest borough in New York because of people like Curtis. It was in New York City, by the way, but... Curtis and Lebedo and Johnny Tobacco and Lou Jeremino and all those folks. Big ratings, noon to one every weekday. Also hosting overnights on the weekends. Does his best work right here alongside me and has about a million New Yorkers scared to death every time he comes on with me every weekday morning. Well, congratulations on all that, Curtis. Uh, I couldn't be more disappointed with you. Sid Rosenberg. But, but, but you've already told me that like a hundred times. Oh, no, but this one, oh, this one yeah. really hurt. Oh, this one's bad, yeah. We were expecting that you're on Staten Island. Yeah. And the guy who is hosting this event 
one of the greatest boxing analysts and trainers. Correct. Of all time, Teddy Atlas. You know, he actually pulled a gun on a very young Mike Tyson. Yeah, walked away from Customato in the camp up in the Catskills because Mike came on, I think, to his niece. Very good. Right. He's one of the nicest people. I'm being deadly serious. You're absolutely right. Beautiful man. So there you are. Yeah. You have some of the greatest boxers of all time. Larry Holmes? Right. My wife is rooting for you because Tony Danton just days before is in the New York Post front page kicking a dog on the Upper West Side. Well, to see so you know before you go any further, I approached Tony about that story because, believe it or not, when I first saw Tony Danza, who was in my mind? Nancy Sliwa. That's right. And I said to Tony, I said, that story can't be real, Tony. And he said, Sid, not even close. I did not kick the dog. He said, in fact, I was nice to the dog. He said, whoever this person is hates me. He said, Sid, you got to believe me. And I do. Oh, oh excuse it's, me. Oh, you were no. backing off. Here it is. You were no, going to be a no. one tough Jew, right? <laughs> You're going to take on Tony, who, by the way, was a very proficient boxer yes. in his young days in East New York, Brooklyn. And still looks, uh, I think he fought 10 professional fights. He still looks very good. Yeah, 72. 72 years old. God bless him. In the meantime, you yeah. decided, oh, he said nice things about me, That's so now correct. he's my friend. Well, but this is me, Curtis. You know that. Yeah, yeah, this could be Gutfeld, right? <laughs> Gutfeld. Uh, 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 Gutfeld has you on one time. He's the greatest in the world. I love Gutfeld. He's, oh, you know, out of everybody at Fox News, he's the very best. I may draw the line at Gutfeld, but you may be right. <laughs> you, if he invites me on his 10 o'clock show and says something nice about me, he will also now, be my now best Now I know friend. also why you were so nice to uh, George Santos, whose uh, entire resume from A to Z is made up. Uh, it, like if you wrote it up in a drug-induced psychosis. Because you were chipping Botox together. We find out <laughs> that with all the money that George Santos was ripping off and stealing, he was getting Botox injections. By the way, were you sharing the same needle? No, we don't do that. I have my own girl, Jen. I don't know where George goes. That's a true story. He actually did take some of that money and get Botox. But I did speak to Santos yesterday. And um, in the past, when I have spoken to George, he's been, you know, defiant. Very defiant. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to win again now. He was completely defeated yesterday. And I said, George, if you want to come on tomorrow, and he never says no, never. Come on tomorrow and just, he said, you know what, Sid? I gave it all I could. I'm going to spend time with my family. Sounded like a guy, I swear to no, God. No, no, you mean. I was what? about to go away for 25 Yeah, yeah, years. watching gay porno. That's the other <laughs> That's the other thing he was spending money on, gay porno. Maybe you could go over there in a hot tub with George Santos to watch gay porno, right? Oh, God. Well, well, maybe you could do a Sean Puff Daddy Combs, that freaky deaky guy. Well, how about this story? We're going to talk to uh, Joe Tacopina coming up in about uh, about an hour and 15 minutes. And Joe Tacopina has represented just about every person, uh, celebrity who's gotten into trouble. Every just about degenerate hip-hop monster yes. rapper. Yeah, he's had uh, Meek Mill. Now he's got Aesop, Rocky, and Rihanna. He gets them all. He's going to talk about this P. Diddy case. What do you think about this case? Well, I'm going to give it to you. First of all, before we get to P. Diddy. Yeah. You never did anything about Adam Sandler missing in action June number one. IDF. Zohan hasn't signed anything. He's like playing basketball in the middle of the Midwest. I can't find him. We've, I've actually sent out the PBA. I know him. I know Adam. I can't find him. 
Don't know where he is. How come How come your community isn't calling in the test? He <laughs> makes money as Zohan wanted to, an IDF superstar who comes to New York as a transgender hairstylist, yeah. and now all of a sudden he's forgotten Israel and the Jews? Well, I he think, made his bones on the Hanukkah song. I, I, I think my community right now is uh, worried about getting the hostages out alive. I understand that. Killing the Hamas terrorists. They're not concerned with Adam Sandler. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. The guy was a big box office smash uh, to an right. IDF movie. You're right. You're right. In fact, uh, Liz Pipko sitting right here yes. kind of reminds me of Emmanuel Sharik. She could have been in that movie. Well, who knows? Now you're going to be a big star. You know, Last time you were here, Willie DeMeo was in studio. Yes, he was. Has he offered you a role yet? Uh, not exactly, but he's been very nice. So okay. We'll I want to see both. I want to see Curtis Lee in that show. Talking about Adam Sandler, and you're always talking about Canorsi and Brooklyn. How great would you be in Gravesend? Oh, there's no if doubt. We show up on a crime scene and there's Curtis Sliwa. Oh, there's no with doubt. With a bunch of Guardian you Angels. You Shadrul. I know it's you, you Shadrul. <laughs> I, I could see you had the sausage and pepper. I got your fingerprints here because you were eating the sausage and pepper when you shot that guy in the back of the head twice. I'm going to talk to Willie today. So tell me, you've got a good story about uh, P. Diddy, oh, don't you? Oh, yeah, P. Diddy. So remember, uh, he was uh, tooling around town in that Lincoln Navigator in 1999 with J. Lo. Who legitimately is from the Bronx, unlike AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. You know what's funny about him and J Lo? Of all the men J Lo has been with, and she's back for a second time with Ben Affleck. She had that really greasy, skeevy uh, Latino singer. What was his name? Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony, right. Of all the people she's been with, believe it or not, I thought she was at her best with P. Diddy. Oh, yeah, because she was right on the cusp of going to prison. <laughs> Remember, they they arrested her. They, they, they copped them with possession of a stolen weapon in the drop box of a Lincoln Navigator going the wrong way in Times Square from the Club New York 1999 where P. Diddy shot up the club. Some some guy bumped into him and threw money in his face. He pulls out his toolie. He, he lawyers up like he is now a Benjamin Brafman, one of the best of all time. And who takes the rap? Shine. Did 10 years. Yes. Shine. His That's protege. Right. Yes. Who went back to Belize. You know, Shine was the son of the prime minister of Belize, which is right next to Mexico. They speak English. You know, say, uh, Spanish is his second language. And he took the rap for Pete Diddy. Pete Diddy should have been doing time for that. When they went to trial, right, everybody said, did you see Pete Diddy in the room? What? I didn't even know he was in the club. I had no idea, Club New York. They all of a sudden had instant amnesia. But when they picked a jury, Benjamin Bradman was interviewing all the jurors. And at that time, let me see, which wife was it? Oh, yeah, it was Mary. <laughs> she was part of the jury pool. And he oh. starts asking her questions. And he says, by the way, that name's Sliwa. Are you in any way related to Curtis? She said, yes, I'm his wife. That's it. Get that, her you're off out, the jury. You're out. That's funny. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That, that, would, have been, that, that would have been an instant oh. vote to convince. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talk about him being guilty there, and, and a lot of people, even now, they arrested the guy, I guess, that they say killed uh, Biggie. Even now, there's a healthy percentage of people who think that it was Diddy who killed both Biggie no, and West Coast, uh, East Coast. You remember Biggie yeah. was uh, with uh, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, and then right. of course you had Tupac, who all of a sudden left the East Coast, who became one pack when they <laughs> shot one of his nuts off. That's true. If yeah, you remember, true. in the elevator at the recording studio here in New York before he went upstate and did time, and then eventually he got capped there in Vegas. 
at that Tyson fight. There was nothing he doesn't know about. We could be talking about the Yankees. We could be talking about the days of Eddie Jockerman with the Rangers, hip-hop. There's nothing Curtis oh, doesn't know about. But I, I, you know, I want to praise your homeboy, Eric Adams. Well, listen, I, I think at this point, even you, look, everybody knows you want to run for mayor again. You'd be a much better mayor than Eric. Oh, Eric, hell yeah. Not okay, you want to run again. Okay, we know that. But even you. And you're nasty to Eric, which is fine. You're allowed to be. You speak on behalf of, I think, a majority at this point of New Yorkers. But even you would have to admit, Curtis, that today, with the migrant crisis thrown at the mayor, none of which is his fault, all these issues now financially because of the quote-unquote federal government, even you have to have some sympathy for Eric Adams. No, no, actually, I'm giving him props. (laughs) Because he hasn't been doing nightlife of late, because, you know, I track him, all the rats I have. Hasn't been down at the Club Zero Bond, you know, whatever happens in the Club Zero Bond stays in the Club Zero Bond. If you wine, dine, and park in line, Eric Adams, you know you can do it in anonymity. Or up in the Bronx, where he likes the Latinas. Anyway, yesterday, in the midst of this collapse of the city, Eric Adams announces that he is appointed the restaurateur from the Bronx, Jeffrey Garcia, as the New York City new nightlife mayor. He's no longer going to be out there until the break of dawn. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. For this happened yesterday during yes. these five percent cuts. Yeah, yeah. All my uh, cops getting cut. A hundred and thirty thousand dollar annual salary. I'm telling you though. This may be the first positive thing he's done because nothing good happens at night in a club after 12 midnight. I've been to enough clubs. You've been to enough clubs. <laughs> yeah. When the clock strikes 12, get yeah. the hell out of there. Uh, listen, I agree. Uh, usually... No, this is good. He's not going to be doing nightlife any longer. We got a new nightlife mayor named Jeffrey Garcia. I have no idea who this guy is. But let's face it, we don't want a mayor out there like Jimmy Walker 100 no, years no, ago. No, no. But, but do you feel badly about all these issues now he's got to deal with because the migrants were thrown on him? He had nothing to do with that, of course. It wasn't like, it wasn't like he was ever at the Excuse bus me. to say, come on in. Right? Excuse me, who was like Paul Revere warning everybody about this? And, oh, come on, Curtis. You, you judge. Oh, you're just a sore loser. You no, lost no. to him. You are a th- let, me, let me speak on your behalf because people do think you're a sore loser. You're 100% right. And, and of course, when I just introduced that to you, I was being totally sarcastic because it is his fault. He was the guy who said, we're a sanctuary city. He was the guy who said, come one, come all. He was the guy who had no problem putting veterans and homeless on benches in Central Park while giving these, forget about asylum seekers and migrants, these illegals, five-star hotel rooms. So the fact now that a year later the city is broke and my most courageous and dear friends, the cops, are about to not get jobs anymore is on him. I was being totally sarcastic. This is his Let me tell fault. you something, Sid. Yes, I am a sore loser. And you know I am a sore loser? I'll never forgive i'll never forget is because this city actually bought the nonsense the propaganda here was the new york daily news new york post endorsement i remember it because it is burned into my memory with the city facing crime housing and the pandemic recovery issues adams is the right person to lead as mayor it's gotta be eric forget sliwa this was october 17th 2021, I got it hanging up where I do all my work here at WABC, my place to be. And all of you, don't lie to me. 
all of you were saying, oh, Eric, he's a moderate. Oh, he was a cop. Oh, oh, he's going to be there for us. Curtis, Curtis. Nah, nah, this ain't your time, huh? You have any any uh, election remorse now? Now, all of a sudden, yeah, 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 you should be mayor. And by the way, all of a sudden, I noticed uh, Frank Morano was talking about his very dear friend, Joe Borelli. Joe Borelli is now dancing on Eric Adams' grave. What about the time Joe Borelli wanted to bring in the cruise liner, right? To Bay Street on the North Shore and put illegal aliens in a cruise liner like it was the love boat. How quickly everybody forgets, but I don't forget. And by the way, yesterday, your very dear friend, Joe and Ariola, when we asked it, did you get a letter from the FBI because uh, they were listening to your conversations with Eric Ulrich? At first, she said no. Two hours later, she said, oh, look, all the mail just arrived now. My letter is here. If Borelli comes on with you Monday, don't be feckless in weeks, in. Ask him if he got his letter from the FBI because he won't answer us. Who told him not to talk to Eric Ulrich because he was wired up like a Christmas tree? Yours truly, Curtis Lee, who never forgives and never forgets. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Good friend uh, Jennifer Harrison, Victims' Rights New York. She was on the show yesterday, the day before. I don't remember. I mean, there were so many great guests on this show. But Jenny's a good kid. It's her mom's 70th birthday today. Her mother's name is uh, Judy. So happy birthday to uh, Jennifer Harrison's mom, Judy, who turns 70 today. God bless. God bless. On a much... um, Much more difficult note, Jennifer uh, started this whole group because her boyfriend, Kevin, years ago was murdered, him and his buddy. And uh, this is uh, odd, but true. It's her mother's birthday today and her late boyfriend's birthday as well. Her boyfriend, Kevin, would have been 47 years old. So sorry for that, Jennifer Harrison. All right, we got uh, Brian Kilmeade coming up. We got a couple of great guests still to come after him, including Joseph Takapina, Mike Lawler. We've got our dear friend Liz Pipko in studio. She's all fired up over the Chinese and TikTok, which you use, I'm sure. <laughs> I do not, actually. You've never danced on TikTok. I've never done anything. I don't even have it on my phone. I've never downloaded it. I've never seen it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Seriously. <laughs> it's mostly because I'm not 12 and don't know how to use it. But yeah, I no, no, but you, know, you say you're not 12, but I have to tell you that do you realize... That one of the most popular segments of TikTok are the elderly. 
They have like uh, all these uh, old altercockers down in uh, Delray Beach who like dance. It's a big thing to dance, I guess. Then you put an 85-year-old out there dancing to like a Rick James song, you'll get a billion views. <laughs> and it is funny to lose laughing. It is funny, but it's not just kids. Everybody uses it. I this know thing. Noam loves it too. I mean, Noam loves it. Well, I love it and I watch a lot of it, but I looked at my mother in law's phone to see how long she was on TikTok and it was last week when we were visiting her. One day she was on for four and a half hours. <laughs> Your mother in law? Yeah. How old is she? She's in her late eighties. There you go, you see? Wow. Unbelievable. So we're gonna get to that because Liz makes a very, very good point. Well, I was look, I'm all for the First Amendment. I'd be the first guy to take off the air. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I'd be the first guy. I get it, okay? But uh, maybe we can do something to keep some of this hate stuff off of the Internet and these other plays on radio and all that stuff. Cool. You're either 14 or 75. That's good. Yeah. Using it. <laughs> right. But Liz has a great point about TikTok. We'll get to that. We do have to take a short break, though, because we're going to talk to Brian Kilmeade. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, as you know, folks, every weekday morning when I'm done, who comes up next? Big, big star. Much bigger star than me. Fox and Friends every morning on Fox News, his own great TV show. One Nation, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights. All that on Fox News. And then, of course, his show, like I just said after me, 10 a.m. weekdays here on WABC. It's the great Brian Kilmeade, and he comes to us live this morning from the beautiful, and I mean beautiful state, of Tennessee. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, we're in Nashville. We had the Patriot Awards last night. They were great. Um, doing the radio show from here, too, again today. So it's been fun. I mean, this is right up your alley, Sid. It's just saluting first responders, military people, World War II heroes, uh, you know, cops. The, the, the big story, the big winner was the cops that took down the killer in Nashville. We're still waiting on that manifesto. So uh, you know, and it just, you know, with Frank Silver here and all these great Americans, I met Stephen Silver for the first time. This award's going to be named after him. It was just one of those uh, great nights. If you if you don't like the country, please don't watch. But if you do like the country, uh, I think that you'll you'll never want it to end. No, I love the Patriot Awards. I saw a clip yesterday of Clay Travis and Tommy Lahren. I, I don't know why I haven't won one. I, I know, again, I make everything about me, but... Well, I just do. And, and, and you know, you, you, you think about me, number one here in New York, and there's been no bigger pro-Israel voice. In fact, I'm shocked I'm not on every show on Fox News all day long. Jewish guy, number one, Brooklyn, no bigger pro-Israel voice. They're actually having temple services around New York inviting me to about five different shuls tomorrow morning. So I'm not sure I haven't won a Patriot Award yet, but I guess I have to be patient, right, Brian? Just be patient. I, I do. You have your whole life ahead of you. Uh, and, and again, um, nobody thinks that you don't think every story is about you. So don't ever worry about people not understanding that everything is somehow related to you and yeah, Kevin Bacon. It's true. Me and Kevin Bacon. Here's one story, though, that I cannot say I have any association with, and that is the presidential election coming up in 2024. We know 
On the right side, it's over. I know Nikki Haley's doing a lot of talking. She's making a push in Iowa, New Hampshire. Who cares? Donald Trump wins that primary. Uh, looks like Joe Biden will win on the left, unless The Rock all of a sudden has been talking a lot about entering the race lately. But what about Joe Manchin? Looks more and more, Brian, like he may jump in in that independent role. What are you hearing about that? Uh, yeah, I don't know, Sid. I'm, I'm just stunned. I'm just reading this sound by now. I'll run it. And you'll probably do it. Where he thinks uh, Trump is the most dangerous person. If he ever comes back, he's got to make sure he doesn't come back. He'll ruin democracy. He's sounding like, you know, he's sounding like Adam Schiff. And I'm saying to myself, but that, that wasn't him. He was like dealing with Trump. He, he's one of the few Democrats who didn't have much of a problem with Trump. So why would he get in if it's pretty clear among Democrats, some experts, most experts say he would hurt Biden. So why even consider going in? If Trump is the worst thing to ever happen to the country, why would you even consider getting in if you're, if you're going to help him become president? So he's all over the place, but he knows he was going to lose to Jim Justice. Jim Justice is a rock star, can finance his own campaign, himself, uh, a self-named multi-billionaire, and he's not going to be stopped. And that's why he's like, okay, I'm 76, by the way, not younger, not one year younger than Trump. I'm going to listen. But the problem is Democrats don't like Joe Manchin and Republicans don't love Joe Manchin. They appreciate some of the stuff he's done, you know, stopping the expansion of the states, uh, adding two more states, uh, uh, bulking up on the court, getting rid of the filibuster. We pre- I appreciate that as an American. Forget about who I'm going to vote for. But he always goes halfway. He's always in between major decisions. Brian Kilmeade joining us live from Tennessee this morning talking about Joe Manchin, who may in fact jump in as uh, another presidential candidate. You know, I was at a dinner on uh, Staten Island last night, Brian, and somebody walked up to me, actually a very, very famous sports guy. I don't want to out him here. He's a big baseball guy, boxing guy. You know, Teddy has this huge dais of big-time celebs. I mean, big-time celebs. He goes, you got to understand, Sid. My whole life, I've been a progressive, liberal, Democrat. He goes, I'm basically a communist. I said, I know. He said, but I got to tell you, I am getting closer and closer to your side every day. He said, if you would have told me I'd vote for Donald Trump two years ago, I would have said you were nuts. And he said, you know what, Sid? Me and my wife, we are practically there. Although he did say this, there's still one guy that I really like. It's not Manchin. It's not Biden. It's RFK. Is there any steam left in that campaign? You know, the, I, I think a lot of conservative media stopped booking him is what I could tell. And he left the Democratic Party and he fired his campaign manager. I haven't seen much of him at all. He's also pulling down some ads that make him look as liberal and unorthodox as he's been. So he thinks his audience is conservatives and he doesn't want anything up there that, that, that makes him uh, unsupportable. But it looks like 15 to 20 percent in almost every poll. Those aren't bad numbers, 15 to 20 percent. Yeah, I mean, somebody said even 24 percent last night. But I want to take it uh, back to um, to the Israel uh, conflict here for a second. I'm wearing a beautiful shirt today. New York stands with Israel. And again, <clears throat> every opportunity I have, I speak on behalf of Israel. And you saw, Brian, uh, this week. What a beautiful, I mean beautiful, rally in Washington, D.C. Just under 300,000 people. They sang, they hugged, they kissed. There were no arrests. Nobody hit a cop. Nobody hit anybody. Almost 300,000. On the other hand, these animals who get together 5,000 at a time, they're in D.C. the day after, 
You got six cops assaulted, Capitol Police officers. You got arrests all over the place. Same thing happens in New York City. Same thing happens in Brooklyn. It's very, very like the mirror image of why the war is here in the first place. Israel is a loving country. The Palestinians, Hamas, they're not. And we're seeing the same exact thing with the rallies, are we not? Uh, I am stunned uh, by what you just said being accurate. I'm stunned by the other sub-story, which is right below it, and that's the rise in interest among Jazeera's in bin Laden, a letter to America where bin Laden says basically we deserved it because America supported Israel and Israel is a, should be wiped out. He, he also goes on in those letters to say that uh, it is uh, women should not have jobs, they should serve strangers, and uh, – uh, they should serve strangers and relatives. It also says that uh, AIDS was an American invention uh, brought on by the devil. And yet we have all these Gen Zers and influencers on TikTok, after it was mysteriously put up by The Guardian, pushing bin Laden and his theories. And this, this, these, this one influencer with 12 million followers urged everyone to read everything about bin Laden, how he was right, she, he was right about America. I mean, if you had one Bin Laden rally or post, you know, social media wasn't huge in 2001. It would have been a controversy. This person would have been investigated. Their home would have been locked down. And now we're looking at the Bin Laden letters as really what America is about. And a lot of the people behind that are the same ones who are pro-Palestinian. We're going to have to pull the plug on this infection and this disease, this anti-Americanism for the uh, coming up on the next generation. You're right. It's not just anti-Israel, anti-Jewish. It's anti-American. And look, the president of the United States, it's a mixed message every day. Every day, yes, I'm pro-Israel, but I'm also pro-Iran. I'm pro-ceasefire. That's never going to happen. Maybe you'll get a couple of days if they, they let the hostages out. But that'll be the extent of it. So Biden is confusing the hell out of me. But I'll say this. He may have a major problem. Places like Michigan, where there's a huge Arab population, Dearborn to be exact. Other states where we're seeing a huge Arab population. They're not going to vote for this guy because even though he's not nearly, not nearly as enthusiastic about Israel as, oh, I don't know, my friend Donald Trump, he has still said enough to piss off the Arab people. So I think you'd have to agree that now all of a sudden this becomes an issue for Joe Biden in the next election. It does. And, and the thing is, too, you have to leave. Everyone thinks you should be humiliated. She's got a big invitation to speak at ASU, uh, the University of Michigan, Ohio State, big Palestinian, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel protests. There was a big pushback at Columbia when Columbia started cracking down. They're two big pro-Palestinian groups. Now there's a pushback against uh, Columbia. So this, this, this embarrassing push for the Palestinian movement, which they are clueless and didn't care less about on October 6th, is uh, is still gaining traction. And the pushback among the next generation, again, is a huge issue. And uh, Biden's in the wrong side, uh, on the right side of the support of Israel, but he's got his own staff that's turned against him. I'll tell you what, I, I'm never, I've always, uh, for the most part, I think that these are convulsions and America with the right leaders will pull out of this. It really worries me, the 20 to 30-year-olds who are who are seeing this as where America should be. It is insane. There are more squad disciples than I'm seeing than, let's say, in New York, uh, Josh Gottheimer, a Democratic problem solver, who's moderate. He's in a, he's isolated. You and I are isolated, not among the masses, but among the activists. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure we're not among the masses because we just don't do that. You know, I'm wearing a pro-Israel shirt today, and I speak at every opportunity I can, but I don't run to the streets every day. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got a life. Uh, so I think we're very, very big in numbers, bigger than the other side, but these low lives have nothing else to do, so they take to the streets every single day, and it looks like we're being outnumbered. But I would I would warn the pro-Palestinians don't up with us. We got big numbers. We just don't do what you do every day and embarrass ourselves. One more for you in the next uh, 60 seconds, Brian. What do you think of the president's big meeting with uh, Ping this week from China? I'm real concerned that we don't even know how bad it is, that what he gave away. We need momentum to stop this guy. We don't want to just have an outstretched hand and say, let's coexist. He says, let's de-risk, not decouple. No, let's decouple. Uh, let's admit to our enemies that we know you have called us out instead of saying, come on, I know you really want to talk to us. And he went and got a standing ovation from business leaders out in San Francisco, 40,000 at his table, President Xi, 2,000 to attend a dinner. He goes to speak, and and he gets a standing ovation. So I'm disappointed in these businesses. They should be shamed into not doing business within reason. But to go and, and kiss the ring of our, our enemy, uh, we never would have done it with Brezhnev. We never would have done it with uh, we never would have done it with uh, Khrushchev. But with, in the Cold War, this is even more dangerous, and we're doing it now. Couldn't agree more. You just uh, summarized that perfectly. So on the way out, I know you're in Tennessee for the Patriot Awards, but I thought you were there also for your uh, your great book about uh, Roosevelt and Booker T. Is that not right? Yeah, Teddy and Booker T. I'm going to be I'm going to be signing today in the area, but I'm going to be coming back to New York eventually because my family misses me. Right. Although my wife is here, uh, Bay Shore, no, November 25th. My only Long Island signing, four o'clock, the day after, two days after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's so, awesome. There. All right, that's awesome. Bay Shore, two days after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Go meet the great Brian Kilmeade and his new book. And to wrap things up, I say it all the time, your show, One Nation, 9 p.m., right after my buddy Mark Levin, Saturday nights on Fox News, is a not a good show. It's a great show. Who's coming right. up this Saturday? Well, kind of cool. Dan Aykroyd it will be joining us. He's got a brand new series on the History Channel. He's a riot. We go back to his news updates, and that was the precursor to – the Daily Show and, and the things we're seeing now, Ted Baxter, Mary Tyler Moore, great guy, very smart. Uh, Alexander Hershey Ali, she is, uh, of course, they put a fight on her to kill her. She became a Christian. She could tell you how evil these people are, and she'll do that for us. Uh, we're also going to have Trey Yanks and Benjamin Hall. I don't want them to report. I want them to analyze. They go to war. They've seen it all. They, they've interviewed ISIS fighters and Hamas fighters. I want them to tell America what it is really like and, and the pushback on everything we just mentioned, Sid. So hopefully everyone will watch Saturday at 9. One Nation, it's a great show. Hey, Brian, enjoy Tennessee. Good luck with your signing later on today. Get home safely, and we'll do this next week before Thanksgiving. You're the best. Thank you, buddy. All right. Now stay within yourself, Sid. BrianKillMe.com. <laughs> And you go get the book signed, and I uh, hope to see everybody in person. Go get them. All right, buddy. BrianKillMe.com. Check that out today, and you can get yourself a copy of Brian's new book about Roosevelt and Booker T. All right, only about halfway through here. Still a lot more to do on this Friday morning. Mike Lawler, Joseph Takapina. Just stick around, folks. Friday morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Kid and Friends in the Morning. We turn now to our exclusive interview with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu about those hostage negotiations and Israel's long-term plan for the Gaza Strip. There is a deal on the table to free hostages in exchange for a three- to five-day ceasefire. How close are you to bringing some of the hostages home? Well, we're closer than we were before we began the ground action because the ground action has put pressure on on Hamas to... uh, uh, achieve a ceasefire. We'll have a temporary ceasefire if we can get our hostages back. I don't think it serves that purpose for me to uh, elaborate further on that. We're doing every effort. It's part of our, uh, you know, our three war uh, war goals. One, to destroy Hamas. Second, to bring back our hostages uh, to Israel. And third, to ensure that that threat, that terrorist threat, never arises again from Gaza, and that Gaza has a different future, better for us, for the Palestinians and for the entire Middle East. So bringing back the hostages is an integral part of our war goals, and we're doing everything we can to achieve Mayor Adams calling for a 5% cut in every city department, and that includes public safety. The mayor, who, of course, is a former cop and has prioritized making New York City's streets safer in his term, says ballooning migrant crisis has left the city with very difficult choices to make. We're in some serious financial trouble right now. And we just had to announce a budget cut in our services in the city. Mayor Adams warning every city department must undergo belt tightening, and that includes the NYPD. Adams, a former cop, campaigned on public safety. He proposes reducing the police force to under 30,000, the lowest number in decades. Plus, he wants to cancel the next five police academy classes. This is the most painful exercise I've ever done in my professional life. The police union president saying, quote, this is truly a disaster for every New Yorker who cares about safe streets. Cops are already stretched to our breaking point. The mayor says budget cuts are unavoidable because of the ongoing migrant crisis. Thousands of asylum seekers continue to arrive here each week, straining city resources. The national government should be picking up this tab, and it should not be coming out of the backs of everyday New Yorkers. That is wrong, and that is what is happening. A blistering report from the House Ethics Committee on New York Congressman George Santos is reviving efforts to remove him from Congress. The committee, led by a fellow Republican, says there is clear evidence that Santos blatantly stole from his campaign and deceived donors and referred its findings to federal prosecutors. Santos is still refusing to step down, but now says he won't run for re-election next year. Music mogul Sean Diddy Combs, accused of sex trafficking and sexual assault in a lawsuit filed in federal court here in New York. The lawsuit filed by Cassandra Ventura, known by her stage name Cassie, met Combs when she was 19 years old. She was later signed to Combs' record label, and the pair had been romantically involved. Ventura alleges that Combs not only raped her, but over the course of a decade, physically abused her, as well as, quote, lured her into a drug-fueled lifestyle. Ventura says that after years in silence and darkness, she's finally ready to tell her story. Now, Combs's lawyer said in a statement in part that his client vehemently denies the allegations, calling them baseless and outrageous, and that Ventura has been demanding $30 million, threatening to write a book about their relationship. 
Less than 24 hours from a scheduled hearing, Michigan has agreed to accept Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension for sign-stealing and in-person scouting. Now, in a statement, the school said it had, quote, decided to accept the sanction to return the focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. Now, the Big Ten has agreed to close its investigation. However, the NCAA is still investigating the situation. Harbaugh will miss the Maryland game on Saturday and a top three showdown against Ohio State in nine days. Goes out once again, like I did two hours ago, to my dear friend, the brilliant comedian Tracy Morgan, the great Tracy Morgan, last night at the 27th annual Theodore Atlas Foundation dinner on Staten Island. You guys heard Teddy Atlas, the Hall of Fame boxing trainer, on the show yesterday. Last night at the uh, the dinner, which again was a huge success. Teddy is maybe the best human being I know. He's that good a man. Sharon does a great job, and over 500 Staten Islanders showed up last night. These are tremendous people, tremendous. A bunch of uh, Staten Island folks like Vito Pocella, Joe Borelli, Johnny Tobacco, Scott Lebedo. Also had uh, Pat and Frankie Russo there, Tom Kniff, all showed up, and a boatload of celebrities. Larry Holmes, former champion of the world. Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Tony Danza, who was a sweetheart. Tony, I love you. Chuck Zito, Sal Paliantono, Diana Russini, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, hosted by Bob Papa and Brian Kenny. But when I made an impassioned speech to this large crowd, who I must say gave me the loudest applause in the place, I wasn't really keeping score, but yes, I was. When I made my impassioned speech about Israel, and talked about the atrocities and the horrors. I only made that speech, I'll point this out quickly, as I did two hours ago, because right before the dinner started, Teddy and Sharon took me to the side. They said, come here a minute. I go, what's up? What's the matter? I know you want me to go out there and ask for $50,000, which I did, and I got it. I said, no, no, it's nothing to do with that. He said, you know, you have become the voice of the Jewish people. You're the voice of New York. You're a hero. I said, Teddy, come on, man. I said, Sid, I mean it. You are. 
He said, you have no idea. Same thing Dove Hyken told me yesterday. It's becoming even a bit much for me. He said, you have no idea how many people tell me every day, you're on with Sid today. That guy is, he's the voice for all of us, not just Jews, New Yorkers, Americans, all of it. He said, I know how much you're struggling with this since October the 7th. And I'm so happy you're here tonight and your beautiful wife, Danielle. So I want to give you this. And um, I looked down, getting emotional now. And it was a check for $10,000 from Teddy's Foundation to give to the Jewish charity of my choice. I think it's going to go to the UJA or the Christian Jewish Fellowship. I'm not sure yet. Doesn't matter. $10,000. And then I made this speech. And I'm at the podium, and the day is there are people to my right, Bob Papa, Brian Kenny, and people to my left, including Tracy Morgan. And I look at Tracy Morgan, and he's crying. But when I say crying, I don't mean like a little tear coming from his eye. He's hysterical. Tears are running down his face. And when the speech ended, I felt somebody grab me. And it was Tracy. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, you touch me, man. That's where touch me in the morning comes in. And I said, Tracy, I touched you. I, I, I saw you crying when I was talking to the crowd. He said, I couldn't help it, man. You, you really touched me. And throughout the night, he said it two or three more times. And before he left, he told me to call him or come on the show. But he was really touched, and I thought it was beautiful. So I loved Tracy Morgan, before you a big Tracy Morgan fan? You are a big Tracy Morgan fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he is, uh, he's a great guy. And uh, he really, that really made me happy last night. Good. It was nice. Tracy Morgan, you know. Who knew, right? Who knew? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thunk? So that was a uh, wildly successful evening. And um, here we are today on a Friday, off to a great start already, Curtis Sliwa. Was uh, terrific. Frank Morano was great. Brian Kilmeade was still going to talk to Joe Tacopina. Going to talk to Mike Lawler. And uh, Liz Pipko is back in studio. I think you're about, what, about twice a month now? Maybe three times a month? Yeah, maybe three. Getting closer, getting better. You know, you, um, I want to bring this up with you because you come alone most of the time. Your husband, Darren, who's a terrific guy, me too, later. So you walk an awful lot in this city and late at night, which I don't like, but you do it <laughs> by yourself. You know, and, and you're not unattractive, okay? So you walk in the streets by yourself, and if, if I'm wrong, correct me, aren't you not that far removed from a homeless person outside your building lobby? Yes. Scaring you <laughs> half to death? Yeah, I was coming on the show, I think. And the night before right. when I landed, I was super delayed, got home from the airport, and had to sit in my Uber for like 30 minutes as this man tried to break his way into my lobby. Right. So when you were here today, because you live in Florida, but you spend enough time in New York where you can, you can consider yourself both. But you still tell everybody, I'm a New Yorker. You still love this city. Yes. When you hear today that the mayor now has been forced to cut all these services and a city which really needs 40,000-plus cops, we need 40,000-plus, looking at 28,000 cops, not nearly enough. That doesn't scare the hell out of you? It does. It definitely does. I mean, watching the decline in general of the city and so many major cities has scared, I mean, 
the bejesus out of me. It's a good way to put it. But you it. still consider yourself a New Yorker. I do. I love New York, and I always will. But that's like I love America, and always will. I'm the proudest American you'll meet. But it doesn't mean I'm not a little worried about our decline as a country as well, right? Right. So, but if you have the opportunity, you've got a house in wherever you are, Boynton or Boca or Palm Beach. Why would you spend time here? Because the truth is, I don't hear a lot of these horrible stories coming out of Florida. I don't hear about 6,000 pro-Palestinians marching to Town Center Mall no, or to PGA. I don't hear that it's stuff. It's definitely not as bad. Um, no, A, I will always love New York forever. Um, hope to move back here officially very soon. And B, uh, my grandmothers are here. Oh, your grandma's birthday is today. Yes, so not my real grandma, my adopted grandma. Right. It's a long story, but yes. I know this. She's 90 years old. Every, yeah, every time I came on the show this fall, you were, or this spring, you were kind enough to ask me how she was doing. Well, she, she wasn't doing well. She, she suffered four strokes, a broken back, a broken Jesus. shoulder, and a ruptured stomach ulcer. Sounds like I'm here. <laughs> she was, yeah. <laughs> she was but, on a ventilator. I, I remember. I was told I'd probably yeah. never speak with her again. And well, today, that's when you came to New York for that yeah, trip. And, and today came we celebrate her 90th birthday. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. God bless her. Thank you. And you still love New York, and you still consider yourself a New Yorker, but you're not moving back here anytime soon we'll because uh, Trump is going to win, <laughs> and that means that you and your husband, Darren, will be living in Washington, D.C. We may have to. You yeah. may have to. Oh, that will be such a horrible thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. White House. Uh, we got, uh, listen, we got Mike Lawler stopping by. We got Joe Tacopina stopping by. Ricky Gold is here today, too. Got a huge NFL weekend about to come your way. The Ravens won again last night. They beat the Bengals. Baltimore's for real. But how about the way the week ends in the NFL? Monday night, a rematch of last year's Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Ricky Go, Joe Tacopina, Mike Waller. But first, Elton John.
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. See, we're already getting you ready for this big concert coming this summer. This great group, Chicago, and uh, Philip Bailey in Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's a great song, Lewis. I forgot where that show is at. It may be at PNC in New Jersey, but at any rate, coming August, Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Joe Takapina going to join us later on this hour. The gag order has been lifted for President Trump and P. Diddy. Maybe in a whole bit of trouble here. We'll talk to Mike Lawler next hour. George Santos is done. Not going to be over very quickly. He's not stepping down, but he's already said he's not going to run again. So uh, that's over. And we've got Liz Pipko in studio as well. But this is uh, Ricky Gold time, folks. Friday morning, Juice Wheel, J-U-I-C-E, Wheel, R-E-E-L. We are winding down the NFL season. How do I know? Well, less than a week away from Thanksgiving, and that's... It's kind of crunch time, folks. Last night, the Ravens earned their seventh win. They're actually playing great football with Lamar Jackson. Beat the Bengals, who are having a miserable year, to improve to 7-3. and three. Big, big weekend ahead. And, of course, next week you've got the games on Thanksgiving. A huge college football docket coming up next Friday. And then, like I said, before you know it, we're into December. And now we're talking Super Bowl in Las Vegas. So, Ricky, this is... Uh, this is the time. If you've been taking a beating all season long because you think you know what you're doing, I advise you to jump on Juice Wheel right now and try to save what's been for a lot of you a tough year. Yeah. Uh, happy Friday, Sid, to you and you all too. your listeners. Thank you. So you would agree that um, if you uh, you know if you need some uh, good advice and we've got big games coming up this weekend, that Juice Wheel, that's the place to be, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, if I could give uh, probably two pieces of advice. One uh, doesn't really have anything to do with Juice Reel, but one thing I would suggest is go sign up for every sports book. These sports books started giving away tons of money as a sign-up promotion where you can go and you can make multiple thousands of dollars just by signing up and claiming the promotions these sports books oh, yeah, they, offer. They give you like 20%. I think yeah, they start at 1000 though. Uh, yeah, you, you can put in get, 100 bucks, you're not going to get that. But. Uh, yeah, you can put in, a, I just added a promo to uh, to our app for one of the books where you can get $1,000. You bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you get it back. And one thing our app does do is if you click uh, on the homepage of our app, the promos and boosts section, you can. we put a list of every sports book in your state. And the promo, and we got access to uh, – we have access to the best promo code on the market. Nice. So go down the list, start claiming them all, and, and you should be able to make a, a few thousand dollars. 
You know what's funny is uh, this is clearly not a sports show, although we do our fair share of sports. We're all sports fans, big sports fans, and, of course, I was reared in this business at WFBN and down in Miami doing sports, and at the risk of sounding arrogant, I'm one of the best sports talkers in the history of the business. So a lot of folks come here because they'd rather get a couple of minutes of me, of me doing this uh, with the rest of the stuff than hear about one Zach Wilson pass for two hours. So i got to imagine that Juice Reels had a lot of people download those apps from you being on this show every week. Is that fair to say? It, it definitely. I get some messages. I uh, heard you on Sid and, and you know. love the app. Right. I, I, absolutely. See what I'm talking yeah, about, brother? Yeah, yeah. All right, Ricky. And uh, Dan Mason, of course, uh, is a dear friend of mine, too, former president of CBS. And he uh, helped start this company. He is uh, very interested in some of these games. You're a big basketball guy, too. You get basketball picks and advice on Juice Reel too, right? Absolutely. Okay, good. Let's get to the uh, the biggest college football game tomorrow from a rank standpoint, because Michigan and Ohio State, they don't have very much competition tomorrow. They're big favorites. But you got two top 11 ranked teams going head-to-head out of the West. you got Washington unbeaten 10-0, taking on a pretty good Oregon State football team. What does Juice Wheel tell us? Yeah, that's got to be the college game of the weekend. Uh, what Juice Real will tell you right now is uh, looking at everyone betting on the game, 72% of the very best bettors are taking the uh, taking Oregon State. Really? Yeah. Uh, wow. And if you look at the, the different lines available from the different sports books, they range from Oregon State minus 2.5 to Oregon State minus 1. So that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, it it yeah. really matters where uh, – where you place that bet, but I'll have my money on Oregon State. Oregon State's got that quarterback who played at Clemson last year. It was really good. He left, and they played better lately, Clemson, but it's been a down year for Dabo Sweeney. This kid goes to Oregon State. They're real good, but Penix at Washington, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and again, they are undefeated. Let's get the three games coming up on Sunday. Locally, people care about this one. The Jets, who once again are mired in a three-game losing streak or two games, Taking on the Bills, this is not the Bills we have seen the last couple of years with Josh Allen at quarterback. They are struggling mightily. Jets and Bills coming up on Sunday. What does Juice Reel say? Yeah, the Bills don't look good, and the uh, best bettors are, are taking the Jets here. Jeez, that is a tough bet. You know, look, they got a great defense, no doubt about it, but this kid, Zach Wilson, is not an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure he's a college quarterback at this point. So I'd be scared to death to bet the Jets, even if they do look good with that defense. And Allen has not played well. I think Buffalo's going to play better. Uh, here's a big matchup. Who would have thunked this? You ready for this? The six and three Pittsburgh Steelers, six and three, taking on the six and three Cleveland Browns, who won a big game last week, but found out their starting quarterback, the alleged molester, Deshaun Watson, is out for the rest of the year. Big AFC North matchup. Six and three Steelers, six and three Browns. What does Juice Real say? Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Browns without Deshaun Watson, but uh, the data is suggesting that the Pittsburgh Steelers cover the uh, cover the spread, getting one and a half. Pittsburgh. They got the kid from uh, the local kid from University of Pittsburgh playing quarterback. Pickett. He's pretty good. Kenny Pickett. Uh, one more, a rematch. Yes, a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. Wraps up this week of football. Monday night, it's the Eagles and the Chiefs. We know who won it last year. I had the Eagles, but we know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Monday night, Eagles and Chiefs. What to tell you? 
the it's the data suggesting to take the over, which seems a little bit fishy to me. Forty-five points seems almost like too obvious. Uh, yeah. As, as some more bets come in, uh, you know that game's on Monday night. Uh, I'm going to be watching that to see if that trend holds. But right now they like the over. They, right now they like yeah. the over. So in review, while uh, Juice Real tells you take Oregon State against Washington, take the Jets plus against Buffalo, take Pittsburgh against the Browns, and go over. Kansas City, Philadelphia on Monday night. Thank you as always, Ricky Gold. Great job. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Sid. You got it, pal. Download, if you don't have it downloaded yet, Juice Reel, J-U-I-C-E, Reel, R-E-E-L. And uh, get ready to win some games this weekend. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let it go. Let yourself go. Slow and low. That is the tempo. Big shout-out to my uh, good buddy Craig DeFranco listening right now. Craig's a big-time actor. And the strike is over. And, you know, I, I did a, a movie with Craig. It's a short film. Told you about it. My my friend Mitch Camarda, who goes to Columbia, who fears for his life every day. I mean that. He's one of, like, four Jewish kids in his acting class. And um, they have these massive rallies there, like NYU and the rest of it. And... He actually said to me, you're not going to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but thank God for Hillary Clinton, who actually teaches at that school and has been hugely pro-Israel, Hillary. But he made a movie um, which starred Craig and me and Armand DeSante and Bobby Cannavale's kid, Jake, and uh, Chaz Palminteri's kid, who's a wonderful young actor. And uh, we made it in, in uh, New Rochelle in Eastchester a couple of months ago. It's called Experts in a Dying Field, Peter Gordio. Great actor from Gravesend is uh, is in it too, Dante uh, Palminteri. And I got to know Craig from there, and he is a great actor. And the strike is over, and who knows what's coming up next. I got that Danny Ace script ready to go about those mob cops, and I have two other opportunities. So I'm looking forward to some um, some good film over the next couple of months, but a lot more details as that becomes available. Joseph Takapina is the best defense attorney in the world, not just the country, but in the world. He has a, a huge list of very famous clients that include people like Donald Trump, kind of famous, I don't know, Aesop Rocky right now, married to Rihanna, and as of this morning, it looks like P. Diddy. Congratulations, Tak. <laughs> <laughs> not, so, not so fast, first of all. It's I know Benjamin Brotman actually has uh, P. Diddy. He's yeah, a pretty ben, good attorney, too. Yeah. yeah. Ben, Ben's terrific. And he's represented P. Diddy for decades. I mean, back back in the day, that trial way back when with Johnny Cochran. Um, by the way, so listening to you do sports is so cool, man, because that's, that's what we did. I mean, that's how, obviously, you got your start with Dynas. Yep. You were doing all the sports. It's, it's great. It's, Thank you. You're great on sports, man. You're great <laughs> on everything, but you on sports. Is, I mean, we should do a separate show with just you. <laughs> it's amazing. It's I, amazing. No, I used to do that. We used to do something here called uh, Sid Sports Sunday, going back to my WFAN roots, and I would do this political newsy show, which I do every day, and has risen to number one. But Sundays would be strictly sports, and it was going pretty well. But they decided not to do it anymore, but I get that all the time, Joe. Anytime I do a segment, yesterday I talked about 
Garrett Cole being the sixth Yankee ever to win the Cy Young, and I talked about Bob Turley and Sparky Lyle and, uh, you know, Ron Guidry and and uh, Roger Clemens and Whitey Ford, all the guys that won it before, and my phone started blowing up, and people said, listen, don't get me wrong. You're great at what you do, but, man, when you talk sports, exactly what you just said. Exactly. I mean, how, how did you and I grow up with? I mean, when people were studying yeah, geometry and chemistry. You and I were studying statistics <laughs> and stratomatics. <laughs> nice baseball. We were making up our own games. I know. We were, sports was such a big part of our and it still is a big part of our lives. And oh. my life. I mean, to me, it's a part of the educational process for any any human being. I mean, it's, it's, it teaches you things that you don't learn in the classroom. We know that. And it's, it's still something, especially in this day and age, with all the horrific stuff. And I know what you've been saying about peeling back a little bit. From, from being involved in, in sports and watching games because of what's going on in this world and in Israel and all that. I agree with you, but in some regards, it is, it is necessary medicinal relief to be able to turn on the TV for three hours and block out. The rest no of the doubt. World. Listen, I, I have, I have two hard. ways. I don't drink and drug anymore, okay? So I have two ways to enjoy life. One is spending time with Danielle. And don't ask any specific questions. It's none of your business. And second is to lose myself in a Ranger game or a Nick game or, uh, you know, not a giant game that's actually more stressed than uh, the world. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, you know, look, I I can't stand a lot of these athletes, specifically in the NBA. But I got it. Right. But my son, but Joseph, but my son Gabriel loves basketball. He's a diehard Nick fan. We got tickets, in fact, for Knicks and Bucks uh, ESPN Christmas Day. We go to the games and Gabe has actually become a good basketball player despite his dyspraxia. So I've been able, Joseph, to put the individuals and the personalities aside and still enjoy sports, which a lot of guys don't do. You know why? Because they're not really avid sports fans to begin with. I mean, you know, look, you, you know my medicine. Going to a Ranger game is, is two and a half hours during the middle of the Trump trial and everything else. I, I needed that, like, outlet. I absolutely did. Um, right now, it's something that I still embrace when I go with Matt or, or one of my kids or anyone to go to those games for a couple hours and get lost in the passion in the moment. You know, being at the garden for a Ranger game, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I agree. And it's, it's amazing. It's and great. they're playing and, well. Uh, they, we're going uh... B- we're going, yep, and we're going to BC next week to see the Hurricanes' last game. Oh, you stop with that. Stop with that. Will you you finally admit, listen, I want to go back to the conversation you and I had in the convertible El Dorado or the Columbus Day Parade when you were frothing at the mouth about the hurricanes. And I kept telling you, Joe, I was in Miami for 16 years. I did sports talk radio in Miami for 16 years. Every year we were returning to the glory we once had under, you know, Larry Coker and Butch Davis. We're not there. No, 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 Sid, you're going to see. Well, you admit you're wrong. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm locking in harder than ever because Cristobal has brought in a recruiting class after recruiting He lost the game all by himself, Cristobal. He He blew the Georgia Tech game. Completely lost the game all by himself. Putting that aside, this is a national championship foundation. And I promise you, we have Lou has the tape already. There is when they win a national championship in the next three years, the, the victory lap I'm going to take on your show okay. is going to be deep. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If the Miami Hurricanes win a championship in the next three years, and you're my closest friend, I promise you, Lou Rafino will give you oral outside of Macy's on Christmas Eve. No? Hello? No good? Hello? Hello? Are we still there? What's, what happened? What happened? I can't. I can't disconnect it. You know, 
I need the Hurricanes to win the national championship. <laughs> just disincentivize me in a way that I never could have imagined. <laughs> Lou hasn't agreed to that yet, but that's funny. Hey, so listen, I want to get to... Okay, whatever. Uh, for the show, right. It's not really going to happen. I want to get to what uh, Trump... So um, there's nothing to me. To me, there's nothing more un-American, more un-American than gag orders. I mean, God, please. And I'm the first guy to say we need to tweak the First Amendment because I do believe that hate speech, we have to find a way to eliminate that because it's such a great line between what's allowed, what's not allowed, and I'm tired of reading all these things and seeing all these things. But what I don't get to So um, uh, Trump, it seems uh, the gag order was lifted. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, it's like we talked about this on the show last week, so the, the difference between hate speech and protected free speech. We talked about it, and there's elements to it, including inciting violence, right? Nothing that President Trump did in that ridiculous civil case, because that's a civil case. People have to remember this trial that's become more of a circus is not a criminal case. There are no ramifications of substance here. It's never going to hold up. And more importantly, it's a civil case with a judge who's announced he hates the defendant, right? I mean, before the trial, um, and he's a jury in this case. So the, the gag order is something that, you know, you don't throw them around like hand them out like lollipops. They're not something to be taken lightly. This is First Amendment protected free speech. And it's more grave when the individual you're trying to slap a gag on is the GOP front runner for the presidential election. You cannot. Constitutional protected free speech is, is at the core of this. So you, he's out there on, on the campaign trail. He has to be able to talk about his perception of bias at the trial, where he's subject to millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of penalties, and where he's being called a fraud. He's got to be able to say what he wants to say, including the judge's bias, the judge's law secretary's bias, they're Democrats, and they are, and, and they're Democrats who, who hate me. He's got to be able to say that without fearing being fined by this judge every time he opens his mouth. It's, it's, it was so ridiculous that he imposed it. Look, you know, this is a civil case in Manhattan civil court. I mean, you're talking about the belly of the beast here. This is not federal district court in Washington, D.C. or the Southern District of New York. This is a low-level civil case. And, and, and this, this judge is obviously taking this to a different yeah. level and enjoying, enjoying this yeah. 15 minutes. And, and it's, you know, it's just wrong. I mean, everyone, whether you like or dislike Donald Trump, 99% of the people realize this case is a sham and a waste of taxpayer dollars. Um, and, and to start, start imposing gag orders on a guy who's running for president so he can't talk about the fact that he believes there's a bias by the judge, by the judge's law secretary or clerk, um, is, is ridiculous. Agreed. The, the court did the right thing here. The right. court did the absolute right thing. I got two more stories I want to get to in the next uh, four minutes. People that don't know Joe Tacopina, great attorney, best defense attorney in the country, great-looking guy, cover of magazines, owns a soccer team, going to start acting soon with me. He'll be in season three of Gravesend. But he was also a great hockey player, great. You know, played his youngster years at uh, Abe Stark on Coney Island, went to college, Skidmore, great university, and a hockey scholarship. Uh, actually put together more penalty minutes in the history of the NCAA hockey uh, season. He's had more penalty minutes than anybody else. He's a big-time hockey guy, big Ranger fan. So I see this story the other day, Joseph. Man arrested for ex-NHLer Adam Johnson's skate blade death is released on bail. I saw the actual video of the incident. Oh, my God, was that nasty. And Johnson did die. What do you think about the guy being released on bail? Well, look, being released on bail is one thing. This is not an intentional homicide. But in my opinion, so many people were like, well, you can't charge someone with a crime during an incident, during a game. 
Yes, you can. That that punk who did this, and this guy has a history, this guy, uh, Petgrave, he has a history of, of violence on the ice. He has a history of abusive conduct towards officials. That was an intentional act in no uncertain terms. We played it. I played all my life. I've spoken to players who played at a much higher level than I have about this incident because I just could not believe it. And what's clear, what's clear is it wasn't just reckless. This guy lifted his leg in, a, in an attempt, his, his leg, he did a karate kick on the ice with a blade, which is a knife, it's a deadly weapon. And he looked at the guy's head. And, and, you know, maybe he didn't mean to slash his neck or kill him, but what he did was just despicable. And, and you know, look, being really something else, one thing. Um, what, what is not going to happen, what's not going to happen is he's going to get away with this. He's just not because he, this poor kid is dead. And this guy's a history. And, you know, you have to look at the history of individuals. Look, yeah. in the NBA, uh, Draymond Green. Right. His suspension was more severe. Yeah. A chokehold, by yeah. the way, this moron. His suspension was more severe because of his track record and his history. Petgrave has the same issue. He's got a terrific history of violence, of, of being nasty. This guy will never play hockey again because there's no one who's going to get in the ice with this guy. That was, that yeah. was a, a homicide. That yeah. was a homicide, and it's an unbelievable tragedy. That's what I thought I saw. You know, it reminds me of years ago, people got upset because another guy with a horrible reputation on the ice for being dirty and starting fights and hurting people was Marty McSorley. And uh, he had a horrible incident years and years ago, and they took yeah. it to the courts, and people were like, no, 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 NHL should uh, should govern their own issues, not the courts. But a lot of folks really thought what Marty McSorley did was so bad that they were okay with that. One more story we talked about at the very beginning. Ben is a big-time attorney. He's been with P. Diddy from day one. He'll stay with P. Diddy, obviously. But uh, this Cassie girl has come up with some really, really fiery accusations against uh, P. Diddy as a defense attorney. How does it look for Puff? It's, first of all, it speaks volumes that this is a civil case, not a criminal case, meaning a case for money. Um, look, there's some good lawyers on both sides of this, right? Uh, Doug Wigdor is the lawyer for this woman, a terrific lawyer. But I am at the point now where I am so skeptical of people coming forward 30 years later. Look, I have daughters, Sid. You have a daughter. It's, it's not about not believing a, a victim, but we can't all of a sudden assume someone's a victim just because they say it. You have to analyze and really put the, put the, the test, the allegations. And here you have someone who, over a 10-year relationship, she was in a relationship for 10 years, decades ago, is not coming forward to say, during that 10-year relationship, I was abused, I was raped. But there's no evidence outside of this new allegation from decades ago. And to me, you just get to the point where when is enough enough? Steven Tyler, Steven Tyler, 50 years ago, someone just sued him, making a claim that 50 years ago he committed sexual abuse. 50 years ago. How do you defend a claim from 50 years ago? Where do you get witnesses? And, and here, when you look at the facts of this case, you know, they tried to get a, a civil settlement for $30 million from, from Puffy, from Combs. Okay, and it didn't work, and they threatened to write a book and obviously go to the courts. And, and the statement by the accuser, in this case, it's called the accuser, points out the fact that this, this new law that they enacted, that Copeland Act, which I think was a, a huge mistake, the Adult Survivors Act, is going to expire soon. So she had to file this lawsuit in order to get in within the statute of limitations because this expires uh, in, in you know, a matter of weeks, the Adult Survivors Act, November 24th to be exact. It's a one-year period. So, so you know, because it's expiring, she then decides to file a lawsuit. This, this, that act, that law was politically, uh, it was a Me Too movement by 
years. Okay, I understand people react differently to sexual assaults, and we can't we can't judge people. You know whether they say something or don't say something, or immediately report it, don't report it. But for God's sakes, it's the most serious allegation an individual could have against them, short of pedophilia. You have to be able to challenge the allegation. Kevin Spacey's life was destroyed by these allegations. He was twice vindicated, twice acquitted, twice cleared in two different countries. But his it's over. It's over for him. He, where's he going to get his reputation back? Right. This is the stuff that really, really upsets me about the, the, the sort of the pendulum swinging too far in one direction. And, and so I think, look, I think with Ben, and he's going to be in good shape. I really do. I mean, I think this is a, you know, again, it's a civil case for money. It's not a criminal case where prosecutors are alleging he did this. You are the best. <laughs> you know, you just, cause I've had so many people say to me this morning, oh man, P. Diddy, but the way you just explained it and the other examples of other celebrities and who have kind of gone through the same thing and have been completely cleared, uh, that's why Joseph Tacopini are on every Friday. That's why Donald Trump hired you. That's why I hired you. And that's why I love you. You're the best, brother. So thank you for another great appearance and have yourself a great weekend. Thank you. Okay, bro. Thank you. You're the best. Joseph, you're the man. Joseph Tacopina. Right there, folks, and uh, if you're in trouble today, I, I say this all the time. If you're going to get divorced, call my wife, Danielle. I mean it. If, if you're about to go through a really nasty divorce, you got to call Danielle. And if you're about to get indicted and go to prison, you got to call Tacopino. And if it's both because you were getting divorced and you killed her, then um, call Idala. <laughs> We're back with the 9 o'clock hour right after this. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends who say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Doing her, I'm at a Jewish wedding dance. Got the one finger wave, the kind of head nod back and forth. We've all danced to this one. This is Earth, Wind, and Fire. The big show coming up in July, Chicago, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. That is a, uh, oh, it is a spectacular show. So before I get to uh, Lizzie and Michael Lawler and a bunch of others here, I was just texting back and forth with Michael Rappaport, and it's amazing I'm still friends with Michael because I become friendly even more than that. But Liz could attest to it because Liz's husband, Darren, let's be honest, is with Trump every day. And Liz knows what happens with Trump every day. Donald, Lara, all of them. I think it's fair to say Donald and I have become pretty good friends. Fair to say? I would say that. Right. 
And anybody who badmouths Donald gets in my crosshairs. And Michael Rappaport doesn't just badmouth Donald. He goes out of his way to be a complete asshole. He destroys his kids. You know, he he, he uh, doesn't say much about Hunter Biden, who, and not because he's in recovery. So am I. But Hunter Biden is such a crooked, corrupt piece of garbage. Say what you want about Trump. Here's a Rappaport loses me. His kids are great. They're great. Eric and Lara are a beautiful couple. His daughter, my God, she's brilliant. She's beautiful. Married to an Orthodox Jew, which Michael Rappaport, as a Jew and a huge pro-Israel voice, should appreciate. Donald's been to the shul on high holy days. And Donald Jr. is a great kid. Can't believe that, but she's not a Trump. These are great kids. What are you talking about? So rap goes on Instagram all the time, and I just go right past it. And he and I had a fight a couple of weeks ago because, you know the story, he texted me a mugshot of Rudy Giuliani, and I didn't find it funny. Rudy's my friend, and Rudy's getting jobbed just like Trump, just like uh, Trump. I mean, those two are the more than anybody in the world, in the world. Every day the left wakes up, not worried about crime in New York City, not worrying about hostages in Israel. How are we going to screw Trump and Giuliani? And didn't he live here during 9-11? He still lives here. But during 9-11. Yes, he still lives here. Yes. But my point was this. Does does he forget everything Rudy Giuliani did? Forgot everything. 100%. Thank you for saying that because I can never dislike Rudy. I don't give a rat's ass if he stole a vote in Georgia, which he didn't do. Not one damn vote. Not one. This guy went to a thousand funerals, you Moron? Everything he was there. Right. Would he like one of these two last mayors to be mayor back then? Please. <laughs> we would have been doomed. He, he, we owe him a lifetime of gratitude <laughs> and to piss all over him like he, it's just disgusting. Send a mugshot. What a, a face. Yes. So, so, so I stopped, but, but, you know, he, listen, I, I try not to throw away friendships and relationships over politics. It's becoming increasingly difficult. Don't get me wrong. Even my own sister annoys her. And I love Alana. I, I'm going to see her Thursday at her daughter's house for Thanksgiving. But she sounds like a moron. My brother-in-law, too, for a smart guy, Harry. Like a moron. Nobody can say Joe Biden is doing a good job. Nobody. Nobody. Not here. Not across the world. Nowhere. You don't like Trump? Fine. You got that disease? Fine. Don't make somebody else good because you think the other guy is bad. You're a child. So Rappaport finally came to his senses almost, almost, when he said this on Instagram. Go to it today. Here's Mike. If it comes down to pig dick Donald Trump and smoking Joe Biden, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Voting for pig dick Donald Trump is on the table. I'm sorry. I'm f- I'll still call him slob dick Donald Trump, pig dick Donald Trump, and all that. There but you we have need it. to get this whole f- situation under control. Oh, that was well said. Hey, he said, well, he did say he's the guy that can get this whole situation under control. So he found oh. a way to still malign him with a bunch of silly curses, but... For him to say it's on the table, you don't understand. Well, you do understand. But, and, and Liz, you know, but I know you're a fan of Mike. You like him. He's in friends. But do you know anybody who's nastier to Trump than Mike? 
I definitely actually do. Oh, you do. But this is a big deal. No, this is this big is deal. Big, quite the endorsement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got people who come on this show, Tulsi Gabbard, Dove Hyken, who have changed from Democrats to Republicans. I had a guy last night who works in baseball and boxing who described himself to me and my wife. He said, Sid, and I know him for years. He goes, I'm the most progressive liberal Democrat. He goes, to be honest, I'm a pink commie. And if you ask me today who I'm voting for, I'm voting for Trump because that's the way it is. Yeah, I think Trump has almost flipped the world so upside down that the liberals are now yeah. embracing Osama bin Laden. And the ones that aren't are like, hey, we got to fix this really quick. Tell me about this Osama bin Laden thing. You know, I keep fighting with Murano and George Knapp. I understand the First Amendment. And, and as I said to you earlier, I'd be the first guy they fire. I'd be the first. Top three, for sure. For sure. Nobody's more opinionated. I curse. I do all these things that are against every, every I guess, um, doctrine that these people hate. So I get the importance of the First Amendment. But I do believe there could be some type of tweak job. But you said to me, forget about that. What is the real issue with the Bin Laden story? I think the real issue is that we are allowing children on social media, social media which went from just being horrible in terms of, you know, encouraging mental illness or God knows what kind of body dysmorphia and everything else to now being run by China and encouraging young people to support Osama bin Laden online and be proud of it. Like it's gone too far. And I think I've always said this social media should not be allowed for anyone under 18. So you're saying, and you're right, you're hundred percent right. that before you even get to the content, which I have an issue with, if there was no forum, if there was no vehicle, if TikTok wasn't there, People wouldn't see it, and you're saying that China is all too happy to be that vehicle because they hate the United States. They are pro-Hamas. We know that. They danced on 9-11. We know that. So they're, they're all too happy to do this. And, and as Donald Trump, again, here we go. Here comes some sensibility. Here comes some rationale. He wanted to ban TikTok. Right. It's not complicated. That's the thing. It's not even conservative versus, you know, versus liberal. It's just we have children under 18 who are genuinely suffering in multiple ways, now to the point of thinking terrorists are okay, and we need to stop it because we're ruining our future generation in a magnitude of ways I never even realized until this week. And it- just to prove that um, you're not just on a soapbox, you're not on TikTok. I'm not. Now, did you not go on it because, because uh, you know you're you're wacky. You're, you're a very wacky uh, young true. lady. We love you on this show, and you're a pretty girl. But you you have, you know you, you're like most even my wife. Most pretty girls, for some reason, they 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 they're they're very critical of themselves. Yeah. Very critical. Uh, when everybody else is like, "Wow, you look great." So, do you not go on there because of that, or because of what you talked about just now, which is you're not okay with the Chinese government providing hate for our youth? No, I actually didn't realize how connected it was to the Chinese government. I originally didn't go on because I hate social media. When I post, it's very to the point and very simple. And I think the fact that there are people as young as 11, 12 years old dancing in barely any clothing on the internet, yeah. which will live on for the rest of their lives, is despicable. And I didn't understand it when my mom didn't allow me on Facebook before I was 18. I We had a lot of fights over it, and now I thank God because she was so right. It is poison, literal poison yeah. to young people. I think you're only on Instagram, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a Twitter, which I rarely use. I uh, don't, I'm not on X ever anymore. Yeah, my yeah, husband never. runs my Facebook and my Twitter because I don't even have the Your passwords. Your husband runs it? He does, yes. He's oh an angel God. on earth. I just, I don't like, social media is poison, and I try to stay but off you, as but much no, as But no, but I see you post on Instagram. Very often it's Darren posting for me because I don't want to read the hate mail or just deal with everything well, you see on Right, there. I mean, a lot of the stuff you post, for example, you're in studio today, so there's always a picture of you with the microphone. My daughter does the same thing. Everybody does. But most of the stuff you post is uh, newsy stuff, Israel stuff, and that type of thing. Not 
not even. I mean, I'll do like a modeling, and when I'm on a magazine cover, yeah, I post it. I, yeah. I will always sport Israel, of course. But yeah, it's very simple. I, I don't need to yell at people or get yelled at. On well, what do you media. what do you call it when a? Uh, it's interesting when when I brought up the uh, story about Johnson, the former NHL hockey player mm-hmm. that uh, was killed on the ice with Joe Tacopino, who was a big time college hockey player, and you knew about the story because you're on the ice all the time. You. Yeah. You um you very nearly competed in the Olympics at one point until you got hurt. God forbid, almost a similar injury. Right, and that's why uh, earlier today Lou played "Tiny Dancer" by <laughs> Elton John, who mentions ballerina in that song, which you are as well. What do you call that when the uh, the ice skater does uh, that that uh, the pirouette. round the circle pirouette? No, no. What do you call that? What do you, what do you spin? You a spin. spin. Like it's a... just called a spin. No, yeah. it's not called a yeah, spin. Yeah, we have different kinds of spins: sit spin, camel you spin. You spun like a hundred times. Scratch spin. Yeah, it, it's just called a spin. spin. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a million different types of spins and bore you to tears, but it's just a spin. So, what is uh, Lou talking about? The Campbell, term? I can't. What does uh, I don't know? Dorothy Hamill used to do. What did he say? No, no, not, no, no, no. That's where you stand in the middle of the ice and you spin like a thousand times, like we a whirling dervish. Yeah. yeah, that's called the spin. She said. Yeah, it is. It's, okay. What, there is, what name do you have? All of a sudden, he's Brian Boitano. <laughs> no, there is a. There is a. No, I think Lou's right. There's an actual there name for it. There's a name because the Olympics, they Right, they, there's they a name use... for every spin. There's a name for every, every spin. No, so we have upright no, no, spins. No, 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 we no. Ha- yeah, yeah, but every single one. I mean, there's a layback, camel, sit, pancake. There's literally, I can give you a million names. Okay. When was the last time you, you ice skated? Yesterday. Nice. <laughs> but uh, you were in Miami or here? Uh, Florida. Down yeah. in Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I think you're right about the TikTok thing. And uh, once again, if Donald Trump was president, you know, it's... Uh, it's kind of become the go-to line on this show. For a while it was, if Bernie was alive, God rest his soul. Now it's, if Donald Trump was president. Is that fair to say, Lou, we made the switch to uh, Mr. Trump? I, yes, hopefully, yes. <laughs> it looks like it. Even Michael Rappaport. Oh, wow. Uh, well, thank God he came around. <laughs> oh, God. What is the matter with you? He's my friend. Okay. Let's look at the things he did and oh, said. Uh, come on. You gotta take everything into account, don't you? I mean, but what's the yeah. the guy does mustard commercials? He does what? That's what he's doing. Mustard commercials? Yes. He's a tremendous actor, though. He was in a, a movie, uh, Higher Learning. Remember that movie? And uh, he plays a college kid that nobody likes, so he joined like the Aryan Nation. And then he picked up a gun and started shooting people on campus, and he killed Tyra Banks. Well, what a stretch of acting for him there! It sounds like. What are you talking about? He's Jewish. He's not a Nazi. <laughs> I didn't even bring that. No, into but he account. was great. There was a show called Atypical, which uh, his son was autistic, which is uh, the character's name was Sam. He was great in that. He was good in some things, correct? He, okay. A lot of things he okay. was good. Okay. <laughs> he played the manager of uh, of uh, what's the group name? A uh, New Edition. You ever see that one? No. No. He was in Friends, according to Lizzie. Okay. He played uh, who's who's boyfriend? Gary, Phoebe's boyfriend, the cop. <laughs> Gary, Phoebe's boyfriend, the cop. <laughs> okay. I'm like an encyclopedia on friends. Whatever you need, I have. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, we're going <laughs> to take a short break. We'll selling come... mustard on the side, too? <laughs> Today could be D-Day for George Santos. We'll get the latest stuff from the House with a local congressman out of Rockland County. My friend Mike Lola returns to sitting friends in the morning talking everything Washington, D.C. He's coming up next.
77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Watch you smile while you are sleeping. While far away dreaming, I could spend my life in this sweet surrender. I could stay lost in this moment forever. Heard this one last night on the way to Teddy Atlas's dinner. Aerosmith, Stephen Tyler in Takapina brought up some lady. Accused him of um, sexual molestation 50, 50 years ago. So it doesn't end. Hey, Lola's going to come up shortly, but you and I, Liz, at the break, we're discussing some potential VP candidates. And I know that a lot of Trump folks would like to see Nikki Haley. That's not going to happen because she kills him every day. He doesn't want that, obviously. Uh, and then, um, you know, we've talked about others, Carrie Lake or Nancy Mesa, Tulsi Gabbard. I brought up Tucker Carlson because a lot of Trump fans also love Tucker. But you made a great point, which was what? On Thank Tucker. you. Yeah, no, I have nothing against Tucker. I just personally don't see anyone that would be on the fence about Donald Trump having their mind changed because he picked Tucker when they agree on almost every issue. Totally true. But if you say that, what you're saying to me then is is that you believe the VP choice, and Donald Trump scoffed at this with me on this show. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, Sid, the VP never won anybody a presidential election. You're telling me that they will get votes, and it does matter. Or else you would be fine with Tucker Carlson. Right. I don't know if a VP has ever won anyone election, but I think a lot of people have lost because of the VP. I would say that. Okay, fair enough. Kind of like a manager in baseball. I like that. Exactly. So who is your... who, if, if you were Trump, who would you take a really good look at? <laughs> There's a lot of options. I've heard, obviously, the name Tulsi. I've heard a lot of people say RFK. I'm sure you've heard the same. See, RFK would be interesting because he would get uh, some Democrats, right. right? Some independents. Yeah, I think in general. But it, that voice, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I, I know it's not his fault. How many times in the four years that they were in the office did you really hear Mike Pence's voice? Very, exactly. almost never. so it doesn't I, matter. I've never heard Kamala Harris's voice yet. So it really doesn't matter. There you go. <laughs> All right. But you've got somebody else in mind who I like. I've heard the name Susanna Martinez as well. Now, Martinez imagine, out of New Mexico. Imagine a Trump Martinez like like lawn sign. Well, listen, <laughs> that is funny. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you this. And I had this conversation with Curtis the other day. African-Americans are voting more for Trump now than ever. True. They're not going to win it for him. Same thing with Jews. Jews will not win it for him. Correct. Latinos can win it for Trump. That's the one group of the three he needs to really go after. And Martinez is a woman, too. Right. Sounds like a very good choice. Yeah, look, I think a lot of people want the people that they like the best. And I think it really doesn't matter who you like the best. That's who America will like the best. It's that simple. If people like Michael Rappaport are coming around, that means people have realized this is a fight between good and evil. This is our last chance to save this country. And you pick someone that's going to get you over the finish line. That's all that matters. I don't care where they stand on so many issues. I care that they're against the corruption and the rot that has taken over America. That's all I care about. And they help Donald Trump save us and take us out of this mess. What about me? I think you'd be a great option. <laughs> you funny. 
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Good tune right here. Cure. Tell me, tell me, tell me how you do that trick. You know, the one that makes me. Uh, Louie, look at you. Can't tell, just saw something online. She wasn't listening at 645 when Milano pulled his Ron Kuby segment. Basically, you can say whatever you want because that's a First Amendment and freedom of speech. And, well, I'm sick of that. We need to change it. I don't know if you can or you can't, but it ain't perfect. And we need to find a way to keep some of this hate speech out. That's it. So Danielle said that uh, Frank is clearly sleep deprived, but. But a lot of people agree with Frank, George Napolitano and Ron Kuby, and maybe even you do, well, Liz, you're shaking your head. Yes, I don't. We need to figure out a way to abolish some of this stuff. Just like they're figuring out a way to get rid of George Santos. <laughs> <laughs> He's bad. I mean, I talked to George just yesterday, and but Mike Lawler is one of the guys who wants him out. Lawler is out of Rockland County, one of my buddies, and a great member of the House. Michael, good Friday, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, Sid. How are you? I'm great. So, you know, I had Santos on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was pretty defiant as he's been the whole way. You know, they're not going to get me. I did other. And then I'll be honest, I had a conversation with George yesterday. He seemed completely defeated, going home to his family to enjoy Thanksgiving. And the rumor is, maybe it's more than a rumor, he ain't going to step down just yet, but he will not be running for re-election. So clearly the end is near, Mike Lawler. How near? Well, you know, it was so gracious of him yesterday when that report came out to announce that he would not be running for re-election, uh, as if as if he was going to be on the ballot next year. Um, I, I mean, it's delusional. Uh, look, it, it, he's unfit to serve. Uh, I and, and my colleagues from New York have said that repeatedly. Uh, and, and this report was damning. I mean, it, it confirms what we believe to be true, that he not only defrauded the voters, but he defrauded donors. Uh, he stole money from his campaign account, using it on an OnlyFans account, on Botox, on Ferragamo, on Hermes. I mean, yes. it, it's like an episode of Veep. It, it's just <laughs> comical. Um, so, you know, look, at the end of the day, uh, he's got two choices, either resign or be expelled. Uh, I suspect by the end of the month, if he hasn't resigned, he will be expelled. I think he's going to resign first. It's, uh, I've been given that choice during my career we're, at different radio stations. We're going to fire you, so I always resign before. It doesn't, in the end, it doesn't, uh, really uh, lower the amount of, of, um, humiliation. It really doesn't because we know what the real story is. You know, so. Look, I mean, for George, for George, this is the least of his problems. He's yeah. got 23 felony indictments and, yeah. um, you know, uh, charges against him. I, I, I think, um, you know, obviously, uh, on a human level, you know, I, I feel bad. I empathize, but like, you know, just do the right thing, show a little dignity and decency and, and step aside. Fair. Uh, should I worry as a Republican here that we're going to lose that seat? No, I have, I have great confidence in, uh, Nassau County GOP chairman, Joe Cairo and the Nassau County GOP, uh, that they will be able to uh, put forth a, a strong candidate and win uh, in a special election. Uh, we just had the November elections. They did very, very well in Nassau County, including holding uh, everything underneath uh, 
the Santos district. So, um, you know, the Democrats uh, tried to use that as a bludgeon in the local elections and they lost. Uh, so I, I think voters understand uh, that, you know, we have real challenges in this country right now and real challenges in New York. I mean, the governor, for God's sakes, yesterday signed the Clean Slate Act. Um, you know, th- there are real problems here. I think voters want serious people who are going to tackle these problems. Uh, so I have confidence that that uh, the Nassau GOP uh, will be able to hold that seat in a special election. Not just Nassau, but don't forget this, this last election day, Ballone out as a Democrat Suffolk County executive, Republican Ed Romaine in. So both counties on Long yeah. Island doing a very, very good job of keeping it red, making it red, I should say. Mike Lawler, a member of the House, joining us uh, here this morning. So the uh, government shutdown didn't happen. But what I find funny, Mike, is I know you're a big fan of Kevin McCarthy, such a big fan that you did the wrong thing by not voting for Jim Jordan. That's under the that's already though. Who cares about that? Um, I like McCarthy too, and I thought that what to him was completely unfair and stupid. And I said to Nancy Mace, I said, "Let me ask you something. No matter who gets this job, whether it's Jim Jordan at the time we were talking about Steve Scalise, all these people, what do you think is going to change? Nothing." So you bring in Mike Johnson, who I happen to like a lot. He is more conservative than Mike Pence. And guess what? He only got that bill passed because he got Democrat help. So why the hell did you fire Kevin McCarthy in the first place? He did the same thing. <laughs> this was my point from the start, Sid. You could change the speaker, but it doesn't matter if you're, if you're not dealing with the fundamental problem in the conference. We have to work together as a team. We have a small majority. It's going to get even smaller when George Santos goes. Uh, and we have to be able to function as a team. We don't control the Senate. We don't control the White House. People need to put their big boy pants on. They need to wake up and realize, okay, we're not going to get everything we want in this moment. So let's keep chipping away at it, chip away at it, deal with the border, rein in spending as best we can, knowing that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer are going to do everything they can uh, to, to block that. Instead of fighting, uh, uh, you know, against the Senate and the White House, we're fighting amongst each other. And it's so stupid. It's so pathetic. And, and as I said previously, this will go down as, as the single stupidest move in politics ever made. And I told Mike Johnson when he when he became speaker, I said, I'll give it three weeks and your honeymoon will be over and you'll be a rhino yep. uh, because these people just refuse to cooperate as a team. Yeah. And that's the fundamental problem here. And that's why I said throughout it when i talked to jim jordan when i talked to steve scalise when i talked to mike johnson if you guys don't deal with the fundamental problem it doesn't matter let me ask you this are you one of those guys uh, mike lawler who believes that uh, there should be uh, money going to israel and ukraine I-, I know you listen to this show and religiously which i appreciate i'm, I'm-, I'm humble thank you and I know you know how I feel about Ukraine, which is basically at this point it's a bottomless pit. Uh, pit. I don't trust Zelensky. In fact, I think he's crooked. Uh, that country is crooked. And I think our policy sucks. I really do. And I'd like to see all that money that he wants to go to Ukraine go to Israel right now. Where are you on that? Look, I fundamentally support uh, aid for Israel. Uh, I believe I just came back from a trip to Israel. I was there on Sunday. We met with Prime Minister Netanyahu and Defense Minister Gallant. We talked about the need to get the aid uh, to them as quickly as possible. Uh, so, you know, I am going to continue to fight to get that done uh, within the next uh, you know few weeks because they need it. And they are fighting against a barbaric uh, terrorist organization that needs to be eradicated and eliminated completely.
um, and and we need to support Israel. We cannot waver in that. With respect to Ukraine, I support Ukraine. Uh, I think we need to be cognizant of of the bigger picture here. Uh, Iran, China, and Russia have entered into an unholy alliance. China is the biggest purchaser of Iranian petroleum. Iran, the biggest state sponsor of terrorism. The Hamas and, Hez- and Hamas and Hezbollah have been funded and backed by Iran for years. Iran, Russia, and China are not our friends. And, you know, with respect to Ukraine, is there corruption? Of course. Most of these former Soviet satellite uh, countries have endured decades of corruption trying to get out from under the thumb of Russia. My wife is from Moldova. Moldova elected uh, Maya Sandu just a few years ago, and she started cracking down on the oligarchs, working with the United States to enact sanctions against these uh, against these Russians uh, and and really putting uh, Moldova on the path to EU status. The EU just this week uh, said that they will you know, move the ball forward with Moldova. Ukraine is, is much the same where they're trying to root out a lot of the corruption that has gone on over the years. But if Ukraine falls, uh, these other former Soviet satellite states in the in in Eastern Europe will fall with it, yeah. and that is not yeah. to our benefit. Well, well it doesn't matter. And, and so there's, this is way more complicated than just no, saying no, oh, no, Ukraine. Ukraine is, no. is corrupt. No, they're going to fall, Ukraine eventually. So it's not that it's not that complicated. I mean, this is ridiculous. They're going to fall. I mean, unless we drop a bomb somewhere, they're going to fall. This is nonsense. Weeks and months uh, I, and look, years and money and money. I mean, Putin is so stupid, to be quite frank. The fact that a lot of you people think he's dangerous is laughable to me. The guy has proven he can't find his ass with his elbow, and the Russians should have won this thing in three days, let alone three years. But they're going to win eventually because the numbers are on their side. Well, Ukraine's the, not going to win this the war. Russians, the Russians underestimated two things, the yeah. resolve of the Ukrainian people okay. and that NATO was actually going to be unified. Yeah. Um, in in response here. But you have larger challenges here. And and part of the reason that you're seeing these threats uh, pop up all over the world is because, frankly, Joe Biden has been so damn weak in dealing uh, with our adversaries. I mean, the other day he goes and meets with President Xi. What came out of it? What came out of it other than than Biden calling him a dictator at the end of the meeting and and Tony uh, Blinken having a meltdown over it? (laughs) No, that was it. I mean, yeah. And and basically, uh, you know, the the, the Chinese dictator promising to, uh, you know, stop the fentanyl uh, shipments. I mean, which he's not going to do. But but he's not going to do that. Of course not. As you'll as you'll recall, I came on your show the day after September 11th. When when Joe Biden announced that he was uh, unfreezing the six billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, for Iran. It's bigger than that. They have not enforced the sanctions on Iranian petroleum. It's why I just passed the SHIP Act uh, two weeks ago to enact secondary sanctions on the purchasers of Iranian petroleum, well, China being the biggest yeah. purchaser of it. No, that's true. I have to run. are used for terrorism, and that's the problem. I, ha- I have to run, but I want you to come back next week before I go away for Thanksgiving on Thursday, continue this conversation, and talk about Eric Adams. Just so you know, by the way, Mike... You mean Erdogan Adams? Yes, Erdogan. It's very funny. Uh, Thanksgiving next Thursday, I'll be in Rockland County. Just seeing, you know, I'll be in New oh, City. Terrific. Yeah, so terrific. I'll meet you at tables, uh, David, in the morning for bagels. Okay, that would be great. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll talk to you Tuesday or Wednesday. Great appearance. Thank you so right. much. Thank Thanks, you. Sid. You're welcome. We're done. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Call it a week. It was great to see Liz Pip go live in studio. Thank you, Lizzie. 
Uh, you'll be back, I guess, in about two weeks, right? Yeah, can't you wait. You did a great job today. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, Jimmy Flippin, the whole crew. Been another great week of shows. Don't forget, three shows next week and three shows the week after. We'll see you Monday, folks. Peace! Gotta go! If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.